Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everybody, Josh here. And before we get started, I just want to let you know that support for 8-Bit Suplex is brought to you by Manscaped. Who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming? Manscaped offers precision and engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And now you can use the promo code SUPLEX over on manscaped.com to get yourself free shipping, as well as earning 20% off of your entire purchase. As well, for a limited time, we are running a contest for the first five listeners to make a purchase on manscaped.com using the promo code SUPLEX. You send us your proof of purchase to socialsuplex at gmail.com and we'll cover the expense of your all-out pay-per-view viewing experience. That's manscaped.com, promo code SUPLEX, manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And now, to the show. This is Jordan Grace and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. What's up and welcome to 8-Bit Suplex, where we talk about Impact Wrestling and video games. I am one half of your host, the player two, Josh McLaughlin, to the player one, Sandy Gaviria. Sandy, how are you this week? I'm good, Josh. Thank you for making me player one. That was always such a pet peeve of mine when I was a little kid. I was like, I want to be number one. One, one, one. (laughs) Yeah, you know, as, as the little brother, I was used to being Luigi, so... I, you know, I'll, oh. I'll happily be the Luigi to your Mario on this podcast, Sandy. Everyone tunes in for you anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm getting out of bounds by saying that because I've been told that many, many times. Uh, no, anywho, no. Uh, before we go any further, we do have to say happy birthday to you, Sandy. <gasps> oh, thank you. So, you know, listeners, send Sandy a, a late belated birthday tweet. We are recording this the day after your birthday. What did you get? Did you get any good presents? Your boyfriend take you to dinner, lunch? I mean, obviously, social distancing and mask uh, rules in effect. Correct. We went kayaking, and unfortunately, my phone took a, a, a dip in some salt water, and now it's not functional. And as you know, we came home, my AC was out. It's been a freaking disaster. So to all listeners who expect our show on Fridays, I'm so sorry. This is my fault. <laughs> well, you know what, what we'll do, too, Sandy, is we'll also blame AEW for throwing out the uh, Thursday show. I think that kind of pushed everything back. And then, you know, uh, All Things Elite recorded late this week because of it. So, you know what? We're just joining in the trend. And you know what? Sometimes life happens. Um, and I will say this uh, for future reference to our listeners out there. Saltwater plus cell phones. No bueno. <laughs> Does not compute. <laughs> so moving right along here. Uh, you know, we had last week we had Emergence Night 1. Awesome show. We got us real pumped for Emergence Night 2. And 
you know, Sandy, I don't remember the last time a wrestling show started off with their main championship. I, I can't think of one. I couldn't either. And they mentioned that too in the commentary. And I was like, oh, you know what? They're right. I can't remember that happening in a very long time, if ever. Well, of course, ever, but I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you 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 build up your show to get to the climactic. Here's the big thing. Now, obviously, we saw throughout the show that they had some other angles that they were running with, you know, uh, Eddie Edwards. Um, but I'll, you know, we'll just before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we will say that Eddie Edwards did hold his open challenge. And out of the blue, at least for me, I didn't expect this. We see none other than Katie Forbes walk to the top of the ramp. <laughs> And, uh, of course, do her twerking money guns uh, entrance. Um, you know, she would have for the title. <laughs> right. she, she did not wrestle for the title, but Rob Van Dam <laughs> did. Uh, now, back to the money guns. Uh, if you're going to have someone come to the ramp uh, you know, and shoot money out of a gun, uh, do you prefer Okada or Katie Forbes? Oh, Katie Forbes nailed it, though. But, no, <laughs> Okada, let's, let's be honest. Come on. That's. Number one entrance in professional wrestling. <laughs> uh, I'll just say, you know, as as a straight man, I can honestly say that Okada's a better looking human being than Katie Forbes is. So <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. You know, it is what it is. But anyways, we have Rob Van Dam. <laughs> we have Rob Van Dam come out. And, um, you know, I was like, you know, if, if our listeners remember back to episode one, I was like, we're going to try and stay positive. We're not going to talk about Rob Van Dam very much on this podcast. And Sandy. Every week he's been on the show, other than episode one of our podcast. Here he mm-hmm. is in a world title uh, opportunity. And you know what? RVD can still go, can he? Oh, my God, yes. I love the way the, the match starting. And we have your, your basic lockup. Some awesome chain wrestling. I am a sucker for chain wrestling. I love it. Um, we get into Edwards doing this crazy overhead suplex to RVD. That popped me. I'm like, oh, my God. I, he freaking flew. Good old Katie Forbes twerking on the guard rail. <laughs> to me, I thought it was, I mean, it fits with what they're doing, their character, their role in the company. You know, he's going through his midlife, uh, living his best life. I was going to say crisis, but no, he is living no, his it's certainly, best life. No, it certainly is not a crisis. And, you know, he there was way more high spots in this match than I expected. Uh, mm-hmm. RVD, you mentioning that guardrail, there was a point where Eddie Edwards was kind of straddling the guardrail. And Rob Van Dam from the apron did his spinning drop kick. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, not drop kick, but it's kind of a, you know that downward motion kick, that spinning kick. Like uh, yeah. yeah, kind of like a, the spinning leg drop. Yeah, I don't know why my words escape me, but that's what it was. <laughs> and you know, down to the floor. I mean, Rob Van Dam's 49 years old, um, and he moved like you know someone who was easily 47, 48. So you know, <laughs> he was. <laughs> I will say this. You know, it was funny. The, the match was good. Obviously, Katie Forbes, like you mentioned, has some interference. In addition to twerking, she, of course, did which her... Which is expected. Which is expected. I mean, she's there for a reason. She, of course, did her mm-hmm. patented hip attack. Uh, we'll call it a hip attack loosely um, because I don't think very much of her hip gets gets on, and on the impact, uh, so to speak. Ask, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, RVD sets up for the five-star frog splash at one point. And uh, I wrote in my notes... Four star question mark because I don't think he's I don't think we can call it a five star frog splash anymore. Um, but you know what? It was it was a pretty pretty big bump for uh, like I said a forty nine year old dude to do. Um, given that uh, Eddie Edwards rolled out of the way, 
our VD stands up, and then we get, of course, the Boston Knee Party. Boston which Knee is, Party! Uh, this podcast's favorite special move, uh, at least from a naming yeah. perspective. Um, and, you know, I like I said, I actually really enjoyed the match. It was a lot better than I thought we were going to get out of RVD. And it was pretty funny. One of our uh, uh, one of the group chats that I'm a part of, uh, someone asked the question, um, of the original, like, mainstay ECW guys, who puts on the best matches still? Um, and, you know, they talked about, you know, your Rob Van Dam or Tommy Dreamer, who, as you know, sent me a private message on Twitter once. Um, and of course I, you know, I was thinking, man, you know, I think Tommy dreamer is probably cause he doesn't really book himself into the type of match where he has to do all these spots. You know, it's Tommy dreamer. He's wearing his t-shirt, he's got his kendo stick, and then you can just smack him around a little bit, you know, for six minutes. And then, you know, he hobbles on back to the back. Um, but RVD, I think I have to change my answer to RVD right now after, um, watching this match, he, I mean, he did rolling thunder. He did, you know, the frog, frog splash, the spinning drop kick. The I freaking, mean, the split like moonsault thing that will never up. not yes. impress me. Yeah. The split like moonsault in the, in the corner. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I want to see more RVD now, Sandy. I, I, I take back what I said in the first episode, <laughs> the flagship episode of our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Dang. I did not see that one coming, Josh. <laughs> Listen, Dave Meltzer's not giving this match a five stars. He probably won't even watch it, but I will say I really enjoyed it for what it was, it was doing. For sure. You know, it was an open match. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Hey, I was actually expecting Sammy Callahan to get involved. What do you think? I was. I was. And, you know, they actually, of course, they explained that a little bit later as to why he didn't come out. We get a nice vignette from uh, Sammy Callahan later in the show. Um, but we do get a run in after the match by the maniac eric young uh great now that's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the night um which is good because uh i was listening to the guile theme song earlier and of course uh fans of street fighter 2 will know guile's theme song goes with everything and will be stuck in your head forever um but eric young running uh and you know it it sets up what I thought was they were going to do this really long form storytelling and just build up this match between the two of them to get us to bound for glory in October. And no, we're getting that match next week. Eddie Edwards, Eric Young. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't see Eric Young getting it next week. I feel like it's too soon from Eddie Edwards winning it at anniversary. Um, but if the idea is to set up Eric Young as this power heel, uh, you know, it might make sense to switch it over to him and then build up for a, uh, I don't know, maybe a Rich Swan uh, redemption story at Bound for Glory. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Um, but what do you think, Sandy? What do you think looking ahead to next week? Uh, it's going to be a, brief, a beat down. It's going to be brutal. Um, but who do you think is coming out on top next week? I honestly have no idea. I'm kind of expecting to go into some kind of DQ situation where, you know, they have to prolong it and do the big blow off at Bounce of Glory. We later on, I'm sure we'll touch up on the video packages with mm-hmm. EY and and the Bounce for Glory on October 24th uh, promo. He looks great in there. He looks mean. He looks like he's out for vengeance. And yeah. I really can't. I really think something funky is going to happen next week, which is great for the storyline. Let's prolong this. Let's do long-term storylines. That's really the best thing that we can do. If he does win it, 
hey, what you said is actually kind of makes sense. Having Rich Juan be like, well, I'm still here, damn it. And, you know, doing his Yeah, thing, one but... more match, yeah. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we will, you know. And, and like I said, it could just turn into a both guys just fight to the back. They both get counted out, and then we'll, we'll just have to do mm. it again. And you know what? That wouldn't surprise me. And we'll go ahead and touch on right those those uh, Eric Young uh, kind of advertisements, commercials for uh, Bound for Glory, because uh, that's the only Bound for Glory advertisement I think that we see. And we saw the same yep. one twice, and it was the same Eric Young one twice. And you're right. I mean, it was it, it shows him kind of walking around a prison, kind of like uh, going a little crazy, staring through the bars. Uh, you know, they're they're doing wonders with Eric Young, um, and I. I've already forgotten the guy that was in WWE. They've done a fantastic job. Josh, no, I'm going to have to disagree. I'll never forget Sanity. <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> that EY to me will live in my heart forever. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I mean. When I'm watching the show, I'm not, you know, I'm not thinking, okay, where's Killian Dane, right? I mean, yeah, you know, no, that, I that's out of there. He stands alone as a, as a monster heel. Uh, despite not being a monster size, right? I mean, so I think mm. they're doing a great job. Uh, but switching gears immediately here to our favorite Russell segment. House. Russell House. And, uh, you know, Taya comes up with a pretty interesting group activity this week, doesn't she? <laughs> she wants to get her drink on at a toga party. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I've, never, I've never been to a toga party, Sandy. How about you? I, <laughs> I actually have. Oh, no. I took a cruise around. I took a cruise around the Greek islands for my gra- high school graduation, and it was just a bunch of young kids in this cruise, and we're like yoga party, and we just wrapped sheets around us drunkenly in this giant cruise ship. And yeah, no, it was fun. I don't remember it, but I'm sure it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, you, you probably had too much uzo. Too much what? Uzo. Oh yeah, the the freaking Greek drink. I didn't even have it when I was there, man. Oh I just, no. I took Greece all wrong. <laughs> yeah, I will tell you this much. Uh, Uzo, if you're a fan of black licorice, it is a clear liquor that looks uh jet or not looks it looks like vodka, uh, but it tastes nothing like vodka, and it definitely is a uh, it's a sipper. It's not a a you know pound this thing. Although if you're a pro, I'm sure you probably could, but I think we're getting uh, you know off track here a little bit, uh, and now I just want Uzo. Oh, we have something in Colombia called aguardiente, which in translation is fire water. Ooh, mm. I've never had it, Josh. But yeah, it's, it tastes like licorice. A lot of people hate it. Um, it's brutal. You're supposed to take it like in shots. Ugh, it's. Yeah, I've know. never had that, and I'm not going to try to say it either because uh, my white man voice will come out strong. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, that. So uh, moving right along, uh, I thought it was interesting too. Uh, we see uh, everyone's in togas, um, and the, I, I like seeing how the different characters did their togas. Kind of, uh, you know, a little bit different. Of course, you know, uh, Swingers got the leopard, the leopard print. Um, Tommy Dreamer, for whatever reason, decided that he was going to cover up the moves. Um, <laughs> And his little Indiana Jones hat. And his Indiana Jones hat that I I think he's still wearing that from like episode three of season two of the Edge and Christian show that totally reeks of awesomeness. Um, I'm pretty sure he wore that. It was a good podcast, great TV show on the WWE Network. And I think Tommy Dreamer stole the hat from that. Um, (laughs) But needless to say, I kind of got some uh, Marilyn Monroe vibes from Tommy 
you know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Covering up the moves, got the, the the toga going around the back of the neck there. I don't know. I you know I thought he looked great. Um, but I would say my my favorite toga uh, was Kylie Ray uh, for still wearing her full T-shirt <laughs> underneath the toga. <laughs> I love that. That was the first thing I noticed when she came in the picture. And I'm like, oh, of course she's wearing her T-shirt because she's freaking. She's an angel. I love her. <laughs> Right, she's like, hey, listen, I, okay, I'll go to the toga party, but I'm still wearing my T-shirt, okay? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm staying covered here. This is this is for the children. Um, but you know, we get a, a little bit of a um, a disagreement uh, that started here because uh, Swinger decides that he's going to throw powder at uh, quote unquote all the marks in the house, um, and mm-hmm. he throws the powder into Crazy Steve's eyes, uh, which prompts a blindfold match. Which, of course, advantage to Crazy Steve because he's already blind. We've talked I about... I did not know that before the Russell House episode. Yeah, that's kind of like uh, the character. That's why like the monkey, I think, is supposed to be the, how he sees. The little monkey, that, mm-hmm. the clapping monkey he carries around. Um, feel feel free to, to write to us on Twitter, at uh, 8 Suplex if I'm dead wrong. Uh, friend of the podcast, Caleb, uh, go ahead and never write me. So... Um, <laughs> Don't worry about that, Sandy. That's just a little feud, a uh, little blood feud. Uh, I, well, yeah. well, listen, it'll pay off someday. Um, <laughs> so anyways, we've talked about, you know, a lot of these Russell House matches. Uh, they're not they're not supposed to be classics. You know, it was a couple of moves uh, and we were done. Um, Crazy Steve, of course, getting the pin because, you know, it didn't matter that he uh, had a blindfold on. Um, and before we move on, I will say this. Uh, there was a lot of there was a couple of like moments of dancing where everyone's getting their drink on with the music, and AC Romero stays the show. Every time they put that guy on screen, I just want more of it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I mean, he's he was doing the uh, the hand mirrors and just I mean just really getting down. Uh, of course, you know <laughs> Taya is uh, very drunk because she's upset that she lost to Kylie Ray, um, and is you know puking and you know kind of vibing all across there. Um, but, you know, quick Wrestle House segment, and then we get uh, to see uh, Eddie Edwards backstage uh, trying to chase down EY. He is looking for EY like a crazy madman, and all I wanted to tell him was, hey, relax, man, you'll get him next week. Like, we already established that. He's freaking out, though. He's upset. He got the worst beat down of his life after his match with RBG. Um, yep. So he's pissed. <laughs> yeah, rightfully so. And of course, we we get the next, you know, they show the Bound for Glory commercial with Eric Young right after that. So, you know, that it just feels like I, I know we're six weeks away from that show, uh, but it really feels like we might get a, a draw out of these two guys until then uh, or, you know, something else. But I, I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, then we see, you know, Rhino laying down the challenge to the Reno scum. Um Great way to shoe in the Heath for Impact uh, social media uh, campaign they got going on there. Um, and he says, you know what? Hey, if he's there or not, I'm still going to take you guys on and I'm going to gore you. Um, do you have a favorite Rhino match? Do I? No, not off the top of my head, but I just know that I love him so much. Yeah. I love I, his shape I'm... of his body. <laughs> oh, that's kind of creepy. Hold on. Wait a minute. No, no, no. Hey, listen, listen. Own it. <laughs> Be okay with it. He is. I just said that. I just said that Okada was a better looking person than Katie Forbes. Okay. 
So listen. All right, we are getting weird tonight. <laughs> listen, this is what happens when you record Friday night uh, late instead of Thursday night late, right? Um, the week the week is just that one one day longer. Um, but here we are. Uh, no, I would say that my favorite Rhino match was the uh, tables, ladders, and chairs match that he was not actually a competitor in <laughs> when he runs when he runs out to help uh, Edge and Christian against the Hardys and the Dudleys. Um, and I think that was, uh, that was TLC might've been the second one they did. Um, my, my memory escapes me right now, but that's a great match. You should go definitely watch it. Um, and then of course, you know, we go back out to the ring and we got Eddie Edwards calling out Eric Young. And this is where we get the the setup here for next week. Um, I thought this was a really good promo segment out of both guys. Uh, but if I'm being honest, I got to give the, the uh, nod here to Eric Young. Oh, absolutely. He says, nope. Oh, hold on. I got to backtrack. Eddie Edwards runs to the ring. He calls out EY, wants him right down instead of next week. He's fueled up. He is pissed off. He's like, hey, man, don't be a coward. Meet me right now. I'll put my title on the, on the line right now after I just had this match with RVD and after you beat me down. Because that's how confident Edwards is. And I like that. He said, screw it. I'm ready. Let's go. But the whole thing between them is that he... EY, Eric Young, wants him on his terms, on his time. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what he comes out to say. He says, nope, it's on his time, and that's fine, because he's, you know what? He's still going to get the ass whooping. So Eddie Edwards just went out to him and said, you know what? That's okay. And a brawl occurs. It goes down. Mm-hmm. But EY, I don't know if you noticed this, right when they were pulling them apart, he, he was saying some things like he got him right where he wants him. Yeah. So that could be an indication of, hey, EY is in the head of Eddie Edwards, and maybe we do see that title change next week. Who knows? It's, it's really could yeah. go a lot of uh, many different ways. So it'll be exciting to watch how it unfolds next week. Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was great, too, is that you have Eric Young, who is not the champion, dictating the terms, and it's because he knows how to play Eddie Edwards like a fiddle. I mean, he, he gets Eddie Edwards out so. of that ring. Uh, you know, get into a brawl. Listen, it's, you know, it's the same thing that we hear uh, when we watch Dynamite, right? You get John Moxley outside the ring. Now you're in his element, right? I feel the same with Eric Young. Um, and, and I shudder to think that there might be a pile driver outside the ring or on the apron at some point uh, in this feud. Um, I'll probably lose a couple of years off my life when it happens, and but I'll still enjoy it. Um, but they definitely, they got me hyped for the match. Uh, you know, it did its job. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, if it feels like we're blowing through this show, um, there was not a lot of action on this show because of, of the main event. Um, there was not you – know, this show just moves at a really fast clip, a lot of backstage stuff. Um, and we go right into a uh, backstage interview uh, with uh, Sandy, one of your new favorite wrestlers, Rahit Raju. Um, My man, the new I, X-Division champ. Woo. The new X-Division champ. And <laughs> – I don't know about you. This was one of the best interview segments I've watched in a few years. This was awesome. Oh, that's that's big praise over years. I I mean, yeah, I thought it was great. I don't. I personally didn't compare it to anything else I've seen. I'm, I just I remember seeing it. And I was like, oh hell yeah, Rocky. Tell him tell him exactly how you feel. <laughs> and yeah, he was, he seemed very comfortable in front of the camera. He seemed comfortable speaking through his character. And he seemed very comfortable as a new X Division champ. I, I do have one bone to pick, though, because I remember he he's a heel. He played everyone like a fiddle. 
he got his way. He did his little manipulating. And that's how he became the champion, which I was totally fine with. And he was saying, hey, you know what? In the locker back back before, you know, I wasn't the most popular in the locker room. I didn't play the, hey, like me, or I'll do this for you if you do this for me. That type of politicking to get to have the opportunities for championship uh, matches. So he said, you know what? I'm going to do to these moving forward. I'm going to do what I wasn't given before. I'm going to be the man of opportunity. That seemed very baby face to me, right? So he's pretty much saying, hey, I'm going to put my title on the line. I'm going to defend it. I'm going to give people opportunities to challenge yeah. me because I was never given those. So that to me was like, oh, did you just turn, are you baby now that you're a champion? Yeah, so I mean, that's, can see, right? Yeah, that's a good point. And, and what would be interesting to see is it kind of sounded like he was about to announce the next division open challenge. And to have your two you know, championships, official championships, of course, because Moose's championship is self-proclaimed. Um, but to have the, your two official championships on open challenges, I don't think that would work. Um, obviously, we, we have Eddie Edwards, you know, his open challenge is already accepted for next week. So if he loses it to Eric Young, obviously that's off the table. The open challenge stops there. Maybe then they switch to an open challenge with the X Division. You know, you can you can really abuse the open challenge format and while it's yeah. great to see you know okay rvd gets a challenge or you know uh brian myers got the challenge uh last week it it you can really burn through your roster and bury so your mid card so quickly yeah. you so, know it was, it was such a big deal when john cena did it with the was it the u.s champion yeah the u.s the yeah the US it was such a big deal because we hadn't really seen that before, and they got the chance. You know, WWE has the the largest freaking roster. They signed everyone at that at that time, and it was so great to see these matches that we never thought we would see. Especially John Cena, you know, the biggest top guy we'd freaking ever seen. It feels like, and yeah. it was so exciting. So when other companies go ahead and do these open challenges, I feel like they do have to be careful because their rosters aren't as big, their stars aren't as big. Um, somebody can, can challenge me on that, but it's, I feel like to me that those are facts and you can run like exactly like you said, you can run through your roster so quickly and kind of expose weak points and expose some of your talent too. So I think you really have to be careful with those open challenges. I don't want Rohit Raju to do that with the exhibition camp championship. If he turns baby face and maybe somebody, some other heel kind of goes after his championship. Sure, we can do that, but I do not want him to do an open challenge whatsoever. I, I wish he yeah. would just stay as a heel. I agree. Or maybe the, he does a fake open challenge where people try to challenge and then he just says, nope, not doing it. Um, but, yeah, um, maybe maybe that's the angle. But, yeah, and it's like you said, the short, ro- the smaller roster, um, especially, you know, during coronavirus, you can't bring in new people as quickly or as easily. Obviously, there's lots of people that would love to get a TV match here and there. Um, but, you know, with AEW doing that, kind of with the TNT title. Oh, exactly. You know, you know there's there's too much open challenge stuff going on. Obviously, uh, you know, um, Cody got that beat down uh, and doesn't have that open challenge going anymore, um, which was that one was of the best things I've seen in wrestling uh, yes. in a while. Um, but <laughs> I jumped on my couch. I was like, ah! <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, you know, and, and, and we won't get into it too much because obviously uh, All Things Elite goes pretty in-depth with that kind of thing. Um, 
But and check out their know, show. Check out their show, though. Definitely check out their show. Uh, Floyd is a huge Cody fan, and and he was crying a little bit uh, in our in oh, our no. in our group chat. Uh, we made sure to make fun of him mercilessly. Uh, but you know, uh, no, I'm kidding. We love Floyd, um, and uh, for oh. his sake, we hope that Cody is okay, and that this <laughs> two week hiatus is a fake out, and we you know maybe we get uh, Cody coming back to take his TNT title. Um, I don't want any of that to happen, but for Floyd's sake, nope. uh, I'll say that I want it to happen. Uh, shout out to, I of course, say, I made a face when you were saying that. I was like, what? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I think you know my feelings about Cody, but you know what? Uh, the, the bond <laughs> between podcast hosts here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network is greater than uh, my disdain for one Cody Rhodes. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving right along, Sandy, we have another backstage segment. Uh, although this one is locker room talk with Madison Rain, um, and because you know her normal co-host is stuck in Russell House, she has the Rascals, uh, and it's two of them. It's going to be uh, Wentz and Daz. Um, they come and hang out with her to be the co-hosts for her guests, Ace and Fulton. Um, and the Rascals, of course, uh, they are the plant enthusiasts. Of the locker room <laughs> in TNA, uh, other than of course Rob Van Dam, who, who we know sells CBD oh. <laughs> uh, products, um, but and uh, has been known as the 420 guy in wrestling for 20 years, uh, if not 30 years. Um, but you know, I, I thought Madison Rain, she is so comfortable, though she's she's Sandy's making kind of iffy kind of you know so so hand motions at me <laughs> through the camera. Um, but I think Madison Rain is it. She the stuff she says is always not always funny or not always great. Um, but she says it very well. It's well polished. Um, it doesn't feel like she's nervous or like some of the talent's kind of like stumbling through the lines or oh maybe I'm gonna go for this punchline here. Madison just goes <sighs> right through it. So you know, for better or worse, she gets through what she's supposed to do and say. Um, but I mean, Sandy. You you disagree. You don't like Madison Rain hosting locker room talk uh, every week. To me, so yeah, no, she's super comfortable with it. And I'm I'm pretty sure she's not super scripted, so she's able to kind of go along with it. But it feels a little too it feels a little too try hard for me. And I got gotcha. it. I don't want to be the negative person here. I was trying to keep it positive, but no, like some of the things she said just to me it kind of felt a little not forced, but just like. Huh, I'm going to say that because, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, maybe campy is the right word. It feels very campy, yeah. very, like, uh, kind of silly, kind of, like, she feels like um, a Disney Channel mom. <laughs> that's a perfect way to put it. And, you know, the kind of, like, well, I guess I have to do laundry. Like, that kind of, you know, <laughs> like, the punchline that's is just a statement. Like, it's not, it's not really funny. But she's, you know, she's bright and she's vibrant and, you know, she's, you know, able to carry the conversation through the, the entire piece. And that's the positive thing we'll say. But no, no. Hey, hold on. My positive thing with this whole segment is the freaking rascals. I, like I mentioned before, <laughs> don't know too much about these guys, but I freaking love them and I cannot wait to see more of them. So you said this was Wentz and Death, correct? Which one's which? Uh, Wentz is the uh, white guy. Wentz, right? Yeah. 
Okay, and Des is the other one. Okay, when Des freaking melted out of the couch because he was so uncomfortable, <laughs> I laughed so hard. He's yes. so cute and so charismatic. He doesn't feel like what he's saying is forced. Same with the Wentz guy. I mean, he felt yeah. very just comfortable in front of the camera, comfortable with his character, what they were talking about, what they were doing. But, man, I could watch them for hours. They were hilarious. And they they did very little in this segment. Now it's like, give me more. Give me more. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know what? We get to see them in action uh, next week against Ace and Fulton because of what happens in locker room oh. talk. They're going to get into that argument. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you know this, um, and I'm sure our listeners do if they like Impact Wrestling, uh, but Wentz is actually uh, married to Kimberly. So a uh, lot of married oh. couples, a lot of couples on uh, Impact Wrestling. Love it. Um, moving right along here, we we'll t- we touched on this vignette earlier, um, and it's Sammy Callahan at his hacker uh, station. I guess I'm really uh, – I don't know if you played the game Watch Dogs. Um, oh, but it, it, yeah. it definitely felt like you know one of those cut scenes where like everything's kind of buzzing in and out. A lot of different, you know, statics and different things. Um, I mean, he cuts a pretty good promo in this in this video package. Um, it says that RVD lost uh, because he was too focused on Katie Forbes, and also he thought he was going to come out. Um, and, which is what know, we all thought. Which is what we all thought, Sammy, because you know they've been fighting for weeks now. Um, mm-hmm. But you know what? We're going to get that match next week. And uh, you know what? I, I think. Sammy can carry RVD to a good match like Eddie did. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they kind of go with. Who the, who? I don't know who benefits from going over. Um, I don't know that if they, you know, because if RVD just keeps losing, uh, then obviously wrestling RVD doesn't mean anything. But at the same time, if, if RVD wins, it doesn't do anything for Sammy and kind of continues his you know, losing the impact uh, title to Tessa and then, you know, that whole thing. And then he loses to Eddie in the open challenge. You know, I mean, we'll see kind of what happens with Sammy going forward, but um, I don't know. I'd like to see him pick up the win against RVD and he can move on to, to keep on trying to get up to the, uh, the upper echelon titles again, or, you know, he was teaming with Shamrock at Slammiversary. So maybe he'll go back to that kind of half feud front of me thing. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, it was a good spot, though. I like this vignette. What do you think? Yeah, the vignette was cool. I really think it's funny. Because I think we mentioned this before in our previous episodes. He hasn't really done this kind of, like, hacker gimmick since the NXT days, right? Right. So it's very interesting to see him kind of go back to that. And I wonder what kind of inspired him to do that, if it was an inspiration or if it was, like, the management just being like, hey, we want you to do this gimmick that you did in NXT. Um, who knows what the case may be? We may never find out. But I think yeah. it's really interesting. He he's a great promo. He's just very out there. Very like that personality of his just really matches whatever kind of gimmick he does. That's kind of in the dark um, type of category. But I do hope he gets the win here next week if they actually do have an official match. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel RVD at this point in his life and his career. Uh, he's just kind of like a novelty attraction to impact, maybe to get some viewers from WWE to kind of get to check out, hey, let's see what RVD is doing in impact. And, you know, that, that's a good reason to have him there. You know, he can still right. he can still go. He can still have great matches. Great. Let's have him do that. But there's no reason in my eyes to see him move forward and advancing and putting younger talent down right. while he goes over. So I hope for Sammy uh, for the win. 
Yeah, and I only mentioned before that, you know, having RVD continue to lose will make it kind of stale. I feel like we got that some in NXT with Cash Sono, a.k.a. Chris Hero. It just got to the point where every takeover he lost or every match that he had with someone that was up and coming, he lost. So when they booked him with him, it might be a good match for 15 minutes, but you know that Cash Sono was going to lose. And so when you book yourself into a corner with these guys that are not the up-and-comers – but can still have a good match and you just don't ever want to put them, have them win. It kind of, it kind of books you into a corner, but you know, we'll see what happens. Dang. I totally forgot about him. Is he still signed? No, he was a part of the, uh, the layoffs that WWE had, um, back when COVID okay. started. Um, he, uh, and Rachel, both, uh, Rachel Ellering, both were, were okay. let go right around the same time. Um, and he is back on Twitter as Chris hero. And so we'll see, Kind of, uh, you know, post-COVID, what, you know, a lot of those guys are going to be doing. Um, you know, at least Leo Rush has been doing uh, GCW. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, we got an EC3 vignette. I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than I thought it was pretty good. Um, and we can kind of push past that unless you got something else to add. I want to tell a story of how... So for my listeners that may not know, I yes, I train in professional wrestling, but before that, I actually started training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at Gracie Sam Pete here in St. Petersburg, Florida. And one time, this was many years ago, I think this was slightly before EC3 was signed to NXT, freaking EC3 was taking an introductory Jiu-Jitsu and uh, Muay Thai class at Gracie Sam Pete. And I remember seeing this man, and I'm like, this man is huge. He looks familiar. Who is he? I couldn't even figure out who he was. But then I figured out once I got home, I'm like, oh, my God, I was just training jujitsu with EC3. And, yep, turns out it was him. Super nice guy. He was just wanting to learn something new. And, then of course, right after that, he moved to Orlando. So that's my EC3 story. <laughs> um, this promo was absolutely great. I think he, when he, as soon as he got released, he, I feel like he already had these freaking promos recorded. As soon as he got right. released from WWE, because immediately back to back to back to back. And man, they were freaking great. This one was not my favorite out of all of them. I think the ones that he recorded himself were even more passionate and more angry and more like that character that's like been freed from the jail that was WWE. But I thought it was really interesting. There was a couple of things that he mentioned there. He kind of took a trip down memory lane when he won against uh, Kurt Angle for the TNA World right. Heavyweight Championship. He literally said, this was the last time I was truly happy. And I was like, oh, I feel like that was a dig at his career, WWE. And I thought that was brilliant. Um, he goes on to say that as long as the title exists, he will not be free. He also mentioned he wants to destroy it while mentioning Moon. So that's kind of interesting. He doesn't say that he wants it back. He says he wants to destroy it to be able to free right. himself. Where do you think that's going to go? Man, I don't know. And yeah, I mean, you talk about EC3 after he wins, you know, the TNA stuff and the the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. We see him in NXT. He gets to be a part of that six man ladder match at uh, TakeOver New Orleans. Dynamite performance. And you're thinking, okay, great. EC3 landed somewhere. He's going to be awesome. Um, And then they did nothing with him. 
period. Literally I think he wrestled nothing. I think he wrestled a few matches on main event, uh, and then they just kind of stuck him in a broom closet, um, which uh, is insane. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I don't know what breaking or destroying the title means. Um, it could be like what we saw with Brody Lee uh, giving Cody back uh, his old TNT title belt, uh, where he kind of just literally destroyed it into pieces. Um, or it could just be, you know, just destroying Moose and then just they just get rid of that title altogether because uh, it's not an officially recognized Impact title. Um, and it could be symbolic of uh, Anthem, you know, the parent company that owns Impact, saying this isn't TNA anymore. Um, this is Impact Wrestling. Uh, this is the product going forward. This is how we're going to do it. Um, and, you know, we were chatting about this uh, in, in one of our group chats. You know, Impact is on an upswing right now. TNA was a huge product for a long time. It was pretty popular. It was a solid number two behind WWE uh, for a long time uh, here in the States. And they, of course, had that huge drop off. Everything went to shit. Uh, you know, and then, of course, it gets sold to, to Anthem eventually. And they get rebranded as the Impact Wrestling. Um, you know, I like what they're doing. And, I, and maybe it is kind of a figurative, you know, slay the past, right? Uh, or forget the past. Uh, to steal from, I believe, The Last Jedi is, uh, you know, kind of the theme there for all you Star Wars fans out there. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see what <laughs> happens. You know, uh, that vignette leads into uh, a pretty decent match here between Brian Myers and Willie Mack. Yeah. So, for any of our listeners who may not be familiar with uh, Willie Mack, just because, you know, he's wrestled in the independent scene and impact um, I know a lot of wrestling fans, you know, kind of are, are very loyal to WWE. They're more accessible, easy to watch. You don't have to actually go search online and see what else their, um, their favorite wrestlers are doing. Seriously, if you love Keith Lee, if you love big, agile guys, go Google, check, check on YouTube, freaking Willie Mack. He moves yeah. like a freaking feather. It's so impressive. He's so agile. Every time I see him wrestle, I grab my head and I'm like, how does this man do this? I'm like 140 pounds and I can't move like that. I move <laughs> like a 250,000 pound person. <laughs> so it's so impressive. So I've seen you. Listen, like, I'll push pause real quick. I've seen you wrestle, Sandy. You do not move like a person of that size. I Sandy, like Sandy, it. no, listen, Sandy is a good wrestler. She's a very good wrestler. Oh, definitely it. go check her out on fight TV. Uh, look up Tampa Bay pro wrestling and look for, uh, and I always butcher your name. So go ahead and, and throw out your wrestling name. It's, I know it's Dos Santos, but what's the first part? You're going to be so sad. So it's Liana Dos Santos is how Liana you, Dos Santos. you, you now go. I'm changing it though. Liana de Los Santos. Don't ask why it's a whole thing. Well, I mean, it has, <laughs> it kind of rolls off the tongue there. Uh, of course, uh, those of us in our in our logger loop group uh, affectionately refer to you as Shooter Santos. So that's why I always forget Shooter the first Santos. part. So because that's you know <laughs> the chant that we do uh, at your matches. But uh, anyways, continue what you were saying about looking up Willie Mac. <laughs> I had to interject there and say for the listeners, Sandy is is not a slow wrestler. Sandy knows what she's doing. She's a good wrestler. Please continue. <laughs> just keep me grounded, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, my point is. Just- Freaking look up Willie Mack. I am so hyped for him, and I want everyone else to feel as hyped as I feel for him and to get that hype, too. <laughs> so he has some matches in PWG, which are great. Um, you go on YouTube, he has matches with Jeff Cobb, Keith Lee. Man, these guys flying around these freaking head, 
giant heavyweights moving around like feathers in their like cruiserweights. It's just insane to me and just mind blowing to me. So check them out. Got to get out of your WWE bubble just in case. And hopefully with our podcast, you guys are able to check out Impact and get into it. That is our hope and that is our goal. Definitely check out Willie Mac. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, there was, I mean, you talk about all the uh, super agile stuff that Willie Mac does. He also uh, destroyed Brian Meyer's soul with a power pop-up power bomb. Um, that left me going, oh shit! Like I literally, <laughs> I audibly said that as I was watching it. Um, which, of course, you know, when my kids are in the room, it's not necessarily great for me to say things like that. Um, I get a talking to. Uh, I don't really think they. Oh. I don't think they really listen to me that much. I think they're pretty good at tuning me out when I'm watching wrestling. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, really just uh, both guys I thought did really good. And of course, you know, the typical smaller guy beating the bigger guy, the stronger guy, the guy that has the advantage, Brian Myers gets a roll up and grabs the trunks, uh, gets the win. Uh, Cause he was you know, willing to prove, uh, I think here that he's, re- he's ready to win by any means necessary. Correct. No more Mr. Nice guy. No more. I'm going to shake everyone's hands. Exactly what they were saying in commentary, which is pretty, pretty neat. Madison Rain was like, hey, you know, when you are an up-and-coming wrestler, it's like, shake everyone's hands, keep your mouth shut, keep, keep your ears open, just yeah. kind of take whatever is thrown at you. And after years and years and years of that maybe being Brian Meyer, what he did uh, coming up in his career, he's, he's tired of it. And as we saw yeah. in the promo last week, he said, you know what, impact wrestling do not Screw me over, because I am here. I'm going to be the most professional wrestler, but I feel like it's almost sarcastic, because that he yeah. was the most professional wrestler before, but now he's saying, "Fuck it, I'm going to do what I need to do to win." And well, that's yeah. exactly what he did. I think too, like calling himself the most professional wrestler could be a slight dig at uh, WWE refusing to call their people wrestlers and, and calling them superstars mm-hmm. instead. Um, when the really it is professional wrestling. Um, and it is kind of one of those silly WWE things where they don't say certain words. Um, and you know, they, they don't refer to it, uh, as they don't refer to their people as professional wrestlers, they're superstars. Um, and you know, Brian Myers is like, no, man, I am a professional wrestler. In fact, I'm the most professional wrestler. And I, actually, I really like that gimmick quite a bit. Um, I do too. I love how aggressive and mean he was. And, you know, yeah. Willie Mack didn't look weak going up against him either. There were there was a lot of good back and forth. Uh, Myers was uh, putting on the heat on Willie Mack, and it was very hold-heavy. And that's very heelish, too. It's like, hey, just ground the yeah. the, the high flyer, which is the big man, which is kind of Yeah, just go ahead, and ground, go ahead and ground your 280-pound opponent, right? <laughs> Keep <laughs> exactly. him from flying. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it, which is so silly because he's so huge. But like, he is the high, freaking high flyer. But um, I do want to call out a few things. Willie Mack, man, honestly, I'm, I'm such a freaking fangirl for him. His spinning back elbow, did you see that mm. during his comeback where he looks like a damn freaking torpedo coming completely horizontal toward his appointment, opponent? Yeah. Blows my mind. Then he does a kip up and a stand, standing moonsault. What? I, I know his his here. his sequence uh his sequence there might might get our uh our and I'm we haven't discussed this but I'm gonna say it's our weekly hashtag chef's kiss of the uh, moment of the week. Mwah, chef's kiss. I don't know there how to it is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not a great chef either, uh, but as we talked about on episode one, uh, baking happens in my house, not by me, by my wife. Um, but yeah, hashtag chef's kiss uh moment of the week goes to Willie Mac. 
We can call it Colleen Chef's Kiss, even though she's not watching it, but because she's a chef, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, and she does listen to the podcast, and she does let me record the podcast. So naming a segment after her probably is a good way to continue the podcast. So that's your Colleen's uh, Chef's Kiss moment of the week. <laughs> Determined by Josh and Sandy on behalf of Colleen. There, there you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get another Heath for Impact commercial. You know, it's just your typical Heath. You know, I got kids. I got to help Rhino make it happen. Go on Twitter. Tweet hashtag Heath for Impact. Um, I've yet to truthfully tweet hashtag Heath for Impact. Uh, it keeps slipping my mind. You know, the, the <laughs> I'm only on Twitter like four or five hours a day, Sandy. I don't have time to remember everything. Hi. I'll send you a DM. Okay, thanks. You. Yeah, yeah. Remind me. Um, <laughs> moving on, we go back to Russell House. And, uh, you know, Lawrence D um, is getting ready to kind of go on his uh, his date with uh, Rosemary with this whole life triangle going on. And Alicia Edwards steps up and says, you know what? Hey, Rosemary, I know what you're doing. You got to stop this. You got to come clean. Um, and so she kind of breaks uh, Lawrence's D's uh, heart. And now he's back to Larry D. And uh, because Bravo uh, goes ahead and tells uh, Rosemary that he has feelings for her. Uh, now Larry D has beef with uh, Bravo, and uh, so of course uh, Tommy Dreamer pops up, proclaims it's <laughs> match time, and uh, we get I don't know nine seconds, twelve seconds. Uh, that was, it was a two move fight. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. Uh, One, two, three. shoulder a, sh- a shoulder tackle and a nice tater to the face. Um, and of course uh, Bravo loses. Um, AC Romero of course served as the ref. I thought it was kind of a funny thing where I, apparently there's only one ref's shirt in the house um, and it does not fit AC Romero. That's why it's on his head. Um, it's kind of more of a uh, do rag uh, kind of look on him. Um, but I, I think they gave him a comically small uh, ref's shirt to make it even look funnier. Uh, it didn't look like the same ref shirt everyone else was wearing. Um, but, you know, I thought it was a pretty good segment. Um, of course, uh, Bravo comes clean to Taya. Um, which sets up the winner takes all. And I put a question mark because nobody really understands what all is. That was Taya's stipulation. What does that mean? But it basically, uh, you know, I guess winner takes uh, Bravo. Um, I don't know why either woman would want to win that match. Um, no. But, no but, you one know, in the world. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if we get another Wrestle House match that was similar to Taya and Kylie where they actually kind of had a real match. Although brief, um, or if it's just kind of a quick, you know, Rosemary is a supernatural thing. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly now that Lawrence D is not a part of it. I'm not interested in the love triangle story. I thought that was the best part of the angle. And you know what? Hey, you know what? Anytime a big man gets his heart broken, I feel it. This is a solidarity <laughs> thing, you know. Were you one of those people that freaking popped when uh, Otis finally got Mandy? Uh, no, because I, I don't want to talk about that segment on this show because I, I'm trying to stay positive. And uh, <laughs> listen, I, you know, I, I I love Heavy Machinery as a tag team. Um, they we, we got to see them a lot when they were doing the uh, NXT house show loop. Um, so because I got a picture with them. I, a sandy sandwich between them. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised that you can even see you in that picture. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, they're they're great fun. They were a great gimmick to have on the house show loop. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know why they did this with Otis. I don't. It was basically just because of stupid Instagram comments that he would talk about his peach Mandy Rose, and that somehow ble- <laughs> you know it bled its way into them thinking it's a great idea to go with. I, I listen. Oh, I loved it. Do you <laughs> remember Sandy? Because I don't think WWE does, and we'll move off of this very quickly. But do you remember that Otis has the Money in the Bank briefcase? I forgot, yeah. Right? <laughs> so did everyone. The prize was Mandy, damn it. He got the number one prize. Listen, <laughs> he should have cashed in on The Fiend Sunday night at SummerSlam, and he did not. You know why? Because w- because Vince McMahon doesn't remember he gave the briefcase to Otis. That's you why. They actually freaking forgot, like, oh, shit. Who has the money in the fencing again? In the meeting, they're like, oh, fuck, rewrite everything. <laughs> I, who knows? I mean, Bruce Pritchard's running the show now in there, and I don't want to talk about it. So Rough. it is what it is. You, but, you, okay, Josh, I have to ask you. There yeah. was a house show, and I think it was either Largo or St. Pete. Otis literally comes out, and I think he has Mandy with him, but he goes, we're engaged. Were you there for that? I was not there for that, no. Mm-mm. Okay, so for the longest time, me and my friends actually thought that Otis bagged Mandy in real life and they were actually engaged because Oof, this nope. whole thing where he comments about Mandy on Instagram, it's been going on for freaking years. And I was like, he has to be kidding, right? Like, I don't, I think Mandy's with somebody else, but she was with fact, Tino Sabatelli for the longest time, I believe. Uh, what? Yeah. I think she was with somebody else. Man, I don't know. I just know that freaking Otis has worked so hard on this. It's been years. And I remember one time he came out and he was like, we're engaged. And everyone clapped like, oh, we're so happy for them. And it wasn't even real. So he tricked yeah. everyone there. So I don't know. I was freaking excited when they finally kissed. I love him. Otis is my favorite. I know. He's, I have he's, a listen, too with my friend. He's a funny guy. <laughs> he's getting himself over with, with the writing staff and with Vince. And, you know, we hear it all the time. WWE is an audience of one, right? If you make that guy happy, then you're going to get booked and you're going to get things. But then of course, you know, he, it's, it's funny when he takes his shirt off cause he's fat, right? That's, that's why he takes his shirt off. So, no, I think you know, it was good. Damn it. <laughs> I'm, hey, listen, as a big man, I can relate, but I'm just saying, I, you know, why did they put Keith Lee in a shirt this week? Because they, they always oh. cover up big guy physiques, right? But they let Otis take his shirt off because it's funny because he's so fat, Sandy. Don't you get the joke? He's fat. No, I don't anyways, get the joke. I like big man, big man. I anyways, love him. anyways, we're not a we're negative awesome. podcast. We're we're a positive positivity, and this is perfect because uh, we only got one match left to talk about. It is the main event, and there is nothing, in my opinion, but positive things to say about this match. I'll set the stage here for my whole discussion around here. I do not enjoy Iron Man matches. I think a lot of times they're planned out really poorly. They shoestring a bunch of stuff together or, you know, none of the stuff that would make sense to do in an Iron Man match is ever booked that way. And so, what about especially versus Sasha? That, that's an exception also. I, and okay. I think Ooh, we're going to see a, a theme here. No, no, no. Anytime Bailey and Sasha wrestle, I mean, I'll I'll just sit there completely glued to it. Uh, their takeover Brooklyn match is, is one of my 
five, if not top three favorite matches of all time. Um, dude, I cried. And I get, dude, I get goosebumps. Uh, I'm a, Thanks. I'm a 30 year old man watching pretend <laughs> fighting and I got goosebumps watching it. Okay. Uh, but back to this, the, you know, this match here, no goosebump moment for me here. Um, but I thought this match was excellent. I thought both women worked their asses off the, for really the majority of the 30 minutes. I thought, you know, Jordan Grace did a great job selling how mad she was, how intense she was. I thought Deanna sold her confidence. Like everything Jordan threw at her, it didn't matter. Here I am. I'm the virtuosa. I got an answer for everything you do. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know. What did you think kind of how this thing started off? It started off kind of, you know, a little bit of risk control action, a little bit of, you know, looked like Jordan Grace kind of set the stage before uh, Deanna kind of turned it around here. Correct. And you know what? <clears throat> For any of our listeners who may not be, maybe maybe they're just hearing our show and catching up on Impact and actually watching it, go out of your way to watch this match. This is history yes. in the making. This is Impact's first ever Women's 30-minute Iron Man match. This is this is huge. Remember when you know, give them a chance, and the evolution was going on. This this is a part of that history years later, but an impact, and it's huge. Not only that, but these girls, like you mentioned, Josh, they absolutely delivered. Um, first of all, I want to mention how gorgeous Jordan Grace looks in that fabulous gear. Oh um, yeah, I wrote. She I looks wrote like a million bucks. Yes, my comments were hard eyes because I was literally like, girl crush, she looked amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but the stipulation, of course, 30 minutes, the person with the most false wins, first time ever in Impact. We start off with a really strong lockup. Like, it wasn't just one of those lockups where two seconds, you move into something else. No, neither were giving way. They kind of set yeah. the pace of, pace of the match where it's like, all right. Yes, Jordan Grace is strong, but hey, so is Deanna. Deanna has the technical skills. She has yeah. the submission skills. She's also strong as hell. So this is a good matchup here. Um, like you mentioned, we have Jordan with the upper hand controlling Deanna with uh, heavy wrist control. Lots of chain wrestling, very re- chain wrestling heavy for the start, which I like I mentioned before, I absolutely love chain wrestling. It's one of those things where you can kind of go with the flow. These aren't things that you have to call um, ahead of time or during right. it, you kind of just feel each other out and go through the motions. And no matter what you do with it, it looks great. And as long as the two people doing it know what they're doing, it's gonna it's gonna feel like a a, a real fight, which I love. Um, yeah, like I mean, the first Jordan the first Grace three and a half ha- minutes was sorry. The the first three and a half four minutes was that wrist control, that chain wrestling, that working back and forth, and it was just yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it was great. I didn't mean to cut you off, but you can keep Taking going. Their time. No, 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 not at all. Um, I love to hear your input too. Definitely just taking it easy, which is the smart thing to do. If you're going to a fight knowing that you have 30 minutes outside of the normal, what what do women get nowadays? Like 10 minutes? You know, at you're tops, having, yeah. At tops, right? You're getting triple that? Yeah, you're going to want to pace yourself out, see where kind of things go. Um, so Deanna, right off the bat, she's able to... Um, to kind of turn the match around and actually she was the one that started working the arm of Grace, which I thought was interesting yes. because we see Grace in the beginning kind of working Deanna's arm with the wrist control, but they kind of get into the situation where Deanna kind of takes over and that's where she starts working. When she's putting the heat, she's working on that arm. 
Um, one of the things I love the most about Jordan Grace, if you are a listener of ours and you haven't seen what Jordan Grace is capable of, there are so many matches. I can't even think of one at the top of my head because there's so many um, Jordan Grace's matches that will show what she's made of. She is not only beautiful, not only is she strong, but she knows how to sell. She knows how to work. She is just top talent. And Impact is very lucky to have her. Um, what I love the most about Jordan is um, even while she's taking the heat, you know, she, she this is one of, my, like, one of my things. Like if you're taking the heat and you're kind of just sitting there or laying there and taking it without doing anything in your own will to kind of make it stop, they're just kind of sitting there and taking these moves, right? To me, that just, I need to show, I need to be able to feel that, hey, that care, that, that wrestler, you know, they're getting their ass whooped, but they're still trying every now and then. They're trying to get, trying to kind of show that they're still in the fight. Right. And I think that's missed a lot. She'll throw a punch or a slap in there or something. I remember at one point, Deanna just kind of had her uh, down on the second rope, I believe. And she just kind of threw this, like, this fist or this palm, um, she did something, hit Deanna in the stomach, and Deanna just kind of freaked out and just stomped her out. Yeah. So it's one of those things, you know, she, Jordan Grace is there saying, hey, yeah, I'm getting my ass whooped, da 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 but I'm going to still show that I'm still in this fight, and I'm going to try to do some kind of defensive or, no, offensive maneuver to show that I'm still in it. So I love her, and the way she sells, holy shit. She, her facial expressions are one of my favorite things about her, too. She really just knows how to get that emotion out of the audience in there. Yeah. The, yeah. No, yeah, and you can say, I mean, the the chain wrestling, the, the selling, the, it's the little details that when you're going for 30 minutes, um, mm-hmm. a 30-minute Ironman match is not going to be 30 minutes of high spots. It's just not. Nobody can do that, right? I mean, unless you're you know one of those you know New Japan guys that's over there or – you know, like the Bucks might be able to do that, but even then, that's tag team and different things like that, right? Uh, totally but different, yeah. Totally different scenario. You can take your your bump and you know take a breather. There's nothing mm-hmm. happening here, right? I mean, they, these are two women one on one, and they've worked a, an insane match. I mean, we didn't get uh, a fall here until four minute, four and a half minutes or so left in the match. When Jordan Grace uh, catches Deanna with, you know, Deanna's working that whole confidence angle. She doesn't see it coming. She gets put in that big sleeper hole, the rear naked choke. Um, and then she kind of, she dropped her arm three times, split them up. And now it's one nothing Jordan Grace. And then this is, I think, you know, really where the match really turned it on at the end. Um, and obviously to get where we were going, it had to. Um, but, you know, for that, I mean, that. I, like I've mentioned before on the podcast, if Jordan Grace put me in a sleeper hold in a rear naked choke, I'm out. I'm not getting out of that. <laughs> it's just going to happen. I mean, she's she's about a foot shorter than I am, so she would have to really try to get me you know, into that rear naked choke. <laughs> um, but if she got me on it, I, I'm not getting out of it. Deanna didn't either. Correct. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And she just jumped on Deanna. So all of Jordan Grace's weight was on Deanna. She had no choice but to fall on her ass yeah. and take that. And hell yeah, let's let's freaking do it. One of your one of Jordan Grace's uh, selling points is how strong she is, how big she is, but how, how athletic she is. She's not just a. Uh, I don't want to say this. She's not just a Nia Jax. Ooh. Right. No, no. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I get it. There. 
Yeah. You know, she's super, Jordan Grace is super athletic. She has her size, but man, she is strong. And she jumped up to Deanna and just completely brought her down. And that's how she got the one pin. Um, like you mentioned, Josh, this match picked up immediately after that because we were getting more towards the end of the match. Um, I actually kind of want, like, I, I was looking at the time and I'm like, holy shit, like, okay, we need, we, we gotta, we gotta step this up. There's no pinfalls here. We only, or once right. we actually had the one, I was like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta set this up, right? I wish it would have gotten the whole hour. That would have been, I could only imagine what they would have been able to do. Maybe the next one would be an hour. Maybe. Um, you know, and, and like you said, there is a, coming up after that, there was a lot of good back and forth. We do take a, a ref bump here. Um, and so uh, Jordan Grace gets the bump. Yeah, I know. Ref, <laughs> ref bumps have gotten worse over the years. They don't sell them like so it's, silly. It's, it's really bad. And and I, we haven't really <laughs> talked about the referees uh, and impact. Um, and that's because there's nothing to talk about with them. They're just you know no. we we talk about a lot of uh, you know up and comers and and guys that job out on on the different shows that you know the wrestlers we call them you know the creator wrestler types right. This is a create. They're all creator referee types. I mean, they're just, you know, I'm I'm gonna coin that term, but I'm not gonna call them a car because that that doesn't sound right. But I'll just say it, it's creator ref. It, it, they're not. I mean, this guy. I, hey, great job taking the bump, I guess. Um, but yeah, we, we get Jordan Grace. <laughs> What's that? He took a, a barely a splash and died. Yeah, right. I mean, you know. Because those 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 splashes are the most painful things for refs. Um, God, yeah. So, so Jordan Grace uh, gets the Grace driver in here, has Perazzo pinned for nine, ten, eleven seconds. But of course, uh, our referee is uh, out of out of commission here, and Perazzo goes to try and check on him, try to rush on him, and you know the commentary is going, "Why does she care? She's up one nothing. Let the ref be out. You if you get mm-hmm. the ref back into this, you get him woken up." Then, you know, something can happen to you. But, you know, it's Jordan Grace, uh, you know, she's distracted. She's trying to help the ref. Here comes Deanna Perrazzo. She's got the uh, Knockouts Championship belt in hand. And she does a weird kind of... Uh... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. No look over the head, smacked over the ropes. Um, I didn't think it was the, the best belt shot that I've ever seen. Um, but yeah. she somehow with Deanna, of course, with her super heel powers, gets the referee back into the match, gets the <laughs> tap, gets the uh, gets the one, two, three. Uh, and we're at one, one with 60 seconds left. Uh, and this is where it starts getting stressful for me, because now I'm, I'm thinking my in my head, I'm thinking, OK. Is it a legit 60 seconds or is it a kayfabe 60 seconds? That was my first thought. Kayfabe. Because, kayfabe because sure. it, it felt like another two and a half minutes. Um, yeah. But <laughs> because they did not have the clock on the whole match. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need to see a clock the whole time, right? Especially with the Iron Man match. You tell me it's 30 minutes. I'm not interested in proving you wrong. So, yeah. you know, but it was definitely at least 30 minutes. Um, so they start working again. And Deanna goes for the Fujiwara armbar. It's not getting Jordan to tap. Time's running out. And then she goes and she alters it into kind of a, uh, almost a Rings of Saturn-esque type kind of double armbar move, um, which she has now coined as the Venus de Milo. I'm glad I wrote that down because they mentioned it a few times and I was like, what? Yeah, (laughs) no, I did write it down. I wrote it down with horrible spelling. Um, But it is, you know... (laughs) But I, in my head, I read it and I knew what it was. And that's all that matters. Uh, but, you know, the hey, Venus de Milo, of course, is the statue with no arms. Um, so that is what Deanna has coined as her new kind of uh, submission finisher when the Fujiwara armbar is not enough. And Grace taps with three seconds left in just, you know, a, a let the air out of the room moment as Deanna Perrazzo wins the first ever Impact Knockouts Ironman match. Um I thought this was really good. Last time I looked on cage match, it was over eight. So, you know, we called that four stars. We kind of averaged, you know, we, we just kind of cut it in half, right? So, I mean, everyone's loving this match uh, across the board. Even people that have are not Impact fans have gone and watched this match, and they absolutely good. loved it. I absolutely loved it. What were your overall thoughts on the match, Sandy? I thought they worked their ass off. It was a great match. Honestly, like I – like. Like I mentioned before, even if you're not an impact fan, you're not following along, maybe listening to us is the way that you get your impact news. Hopefully that's the case. But I also want you guys to go and check out these great matches, especially this history-making match. Um, I want to do make a a call-out, a shout-out pretty much to Grace's suplex to Deanna from the second rope. Oh, yes. I, I wrote that down, and I, and I oh. skipped over it when I was talking. But, yeah. Big superplex. She went in there and she was like, ah, fuck you. (laughs) And he gave it to her. Uh, It looked amazing. Uh, Jordan Grace's comeback. Oh, my God. It was tackle. I I can't even remember. I don't think I wrote down exactly what she did because I was just watching there like, (gasps) and it was fantastic. I think she did a couple of tackles, maybe like a clothesline, but she just looked so freaking aggressive. And then she goes into that. She does two sentons back-to-back, one to Deanna's back and one to her front. Yep. And, man, that comeback was 
freaking hot. I was like, oh, I can only aspire to have a comeback like that one day. <laughs> Still working and, on it. We'll see. You know, and what's crazy is, right, Deanna Perrazzo is 26. Mm-hmm. Jordan Grace is 24. Oh, my God. They're so young. They're so young. And and it's not that we're old. For the listeners uh. at home, we are young. <laughs> we are vibrant people. We are very energetic. We have a lot of life to live. But um, to be that well-polished and that good in the ring at those ages and, in the case of Deanna Perrazzo, to have been already in WWE where they, similar to EC3, did absolutely nothing with her to now we get to see an impact. And I hope, you know, not to talk about EC3 during the women's match segment here, um, but we'll hopefully see him do well too. But we're going to be watching these girls for another decade at least, unless they decide to retire, which is fine. Uh, you know, wrestling is obviously, is as you can attest to. More. Right. I mean, if, if they keep working, you know, in a impact versus trying to, you know, go make towns, um, they can stick around for a while. And I hope they do. And I hope that they're able to stay on TV and, and do those types of matches where they don't have to, you know, sleep in the bus on the way to the next town. Uh, but, uh, you know, great match, put both of them over. Um, and I'm excited now because the next challenger for Deanna Peraza, we already know who it is. It's Kylie Ray who holds the oh. uh, the number one contender. Um, Our girl. Now they they kind of teased that Kylie Ray is stuck uh, in Russell House. They're kind of saying, oh well, you know, she's in Russell House, so she's not, you know, who knows if she? Then you know, Madison Rain, I think on commentary says, who knows if she's even watching this match because I don't even know if there's t- if there's cable television in the Russell House, which I thought was Josh, kind of a nice I have little a question for you. Yeah, did shoot. you did you get to do some kind of research on, on Wrestle House? Because I honestly haven't. I've just been watching Impact Wrestling from the day that we started doing our podcast. But we kind of learned some new things with the whole Taya and uh, Rosemary segment where it's like, okay, it's up. Taya goes up to Rosemary and says, it's because of you that we're stuck in this Wrestle House. I'm like, oh, was this like a punishment for something? Why are they stuck there? Exactly why are they doing this? You know, you know? I, I don't know. And, and that – I will promise to tell the listeners by next week. Um, and hopefully we find out also who took the beer uh, in Russell house. Cause we didn't find <laughs> that out this week either because I really, I'm, I'm hoping that my prediction about Tommy dreamer is right. So I could say, ah, listen to us and you'll find out what's happening next on impact. Um, and it was I not insider it information. Out, it turns out it was Kylie range. That's actually this huge heel alcoholic. <laughs> that would be quite the turnout of her. And I hope that that's not the case um, because you know what? Listen, in the last year, we lost the ultimate baby face in Bailey. And, and <laughs> I can't. But she's been killing it as a heel. Oh, my God. Don't get but me we started can't, on I can't, Listen, I can't lose another one of my favorite baby, baby face females. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, they might, because of the whole Wrestle House thing, they could probably push it out to Bound for Glory if they wanted to. That'd be a great women's title match to have on there, I think. Um, I don't know. I'm excited for a Deanna Perrazzo, Kylie Ray match whenever we get it. But you know what? I kind of have to disagree with you there. I was not a fan of the Wrestle House segment being on this Emergence show. Emergence was supposed to be kind of like a, like a pay-per-view for Impact that was free and as their weekly kind of uh, televised right. show. 
it was it felt like a big big monthly like hey this is emergence this is where where crazy shit is happening right yeah it took away from that when the wrestle house segments came on kind of like god it's like to me i compare it to new japan pro wrestling when new japan pro wrestling does pay-per-views actually any other freaking shows but when they do those big match pay-per-views like wrestle kingdom there's no backstage segments going on there's no bullshit going on backstage it's Hey, this is the card. This is what you knew was going to happen. This is where we settle all of our disputes. This is where all the championships are being put on the line. This is where the big fights happen. Okay, right. if that's the case, that's how it should be on pay-per-views. And that's one of the biggest things that I hate that WWE does. Don't give me backstage segments. Don't give me all those little stories in the background. When it comes right. to a pay-per-view, those are your big blow-offs. Don't, don't yeah. give me all that, that extra crappy things that you're giving me during the week. Not crappy things, but like the extra stuff. Pay-per-views right. are your blow-offs, right? right? And so to me, emergence could have been more effective had those backstage segments been cut short or just not been there at all. To me, Russell House, especially this episode, ran a little long. It did. The whole Toga Party thing was a little too silly and just it wasn't even explained that well. It just too much was happening there to where it kind of took me off of the whole like emergency big fight feel. And I didn't get back into it until the Iron Man uh, 30 minute women's match came on. So to yeah. me, that was kind of a big miss. Yeah, so, no, I, I, you know, I, and I'll agree with that. So, like you said, this is supposed to be a showcase event, and mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where I get that it's their weekly TV. They have a lot of their people in that Russell House segment, so you get to see who else is on the roster, who's out there, who you might see in in the time to come. But um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed some of it. I didn't need to see the matches this week that were in Russell House. I don't think anyone really needed to. Um, Pretty point. And, and like we said earlier, it was a – I'm just going to say Emergence 1 was better than Emergence 2. And it I was agree. because we had more action. We had better matches. And then, of course, you know, the Wrestle House match was Taya and Kylie, which was much better than what we got, you know, this week cool. out of Wrestle House. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, you know we'll, we'll see if they do this kind of thing again. If they learn from it, they adapt and – you know, maybe uh, if enough of us uh, tweet at them, uh, you know, they'll uh, listen. Maybe not. I don't think Don Callis cares what we have to say about anything. Um, but, you know, we'll see what <laughs> I happens. I love Don Callis. <laughs> yeah, is I know. He, he's, what is he doing Impact right now? I think he's doing some of the booking and some of the stuff like that. Uh, feel free to tweet us at uh, Apex Suplex, uh, everyone except for Caleb. Um, and then, you know, let, know us, let us know. Who is Caleb? We'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> okay. It's it's not an on the air conversation, um, but you know what? That wraps it up for uh, our impact review. Um, let us know uh, what what you thought about it uh, at Eight Bit Suplex on Twitter, um, and then also you can email us Eight Bit Suplex at gmail dot com. Um, we are going to be in the future running giveaways and different things like that through that email address. Um, yeah. So you know, definitely make sure you write it down. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you follow uh, Social Suplex Podcast Network as well. And we'll get into more of the other shows and things uh, before we sign off later on. Uh, but now, Sandy, I've drank a liter of seltzer, and that's not an exaggeration. So I'm going to take a bathroom uh, break. We're going to hear from our uh, sponsor, and uh, we'll be right back.
Fellas, have you ever had a problem where you decided that you were going to trim some things and then you cut yourself and now instead of having fun, now you're having none? Well, I'm here to tell you that Manscaped is here to save the day. That's right. They've come up with their third generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0, which features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Millions of balls, including yours, are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. And now if you head on over to manscaped.com and use the promo code SUPLEX, you'll save 20% on your entire order and we'll throw in free shipping. That's right. Head on over to manscaped.com, throw in that promo code SUPLEX for 20% off and free shipping. And on top of that, we're not done. If you're one of the first five listeners of the Social Suplex Podcast Network to use the promo code SUPLEX and send in your proof of purchase to socialsuplex at gmail.com, we'll also throw in the AEW all-out pay-per-view on September 5th. That's right. Free shipping, 20% off, and the all-out pay-per-view. What are you waiting for? Get on over to manscaped.com, throw in the promo code SUPLEX, and trim that junk of yours. Now back to the show. for uh, joining us in this episode of the 8-Bit Suplex Podcast. So excited to have you guys. Uh, today, for the video game segment of it, we're going to be talking about one of my, I was going to say my own, but I've never created a point-and-click adventure game, so maybe not my own. One of my <laughs> favorite <laughs> type of video games that I kind of grew up playing and that I absolutely love and hold close and dear to my heart, point-and-click adventure games. Now, to some of our listeners and to some modern game game mo- modern day gamers, um, they may not know too much about them. Um, I feel like this is kind of one of those categories where you either know about them or you don't kind of things. It's not like any yeah. kind of, anything kind of in between. You know, maybe some some fighter gamers or um, or role play gamers or maybe role play gamers would. But you know, not a lot of people know about them. I grew up playing Maniac Mansion, which was a game that released on the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System back in the freaking 80s. I played it, of course, a few years later because I am not that old, damn it. I was born in 89. (laughs) Right. Um, You just had your birthday, but it was not a birthday that would make you old enough to have played Maniac Mansion uh, at release. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I played it a few years later. Now, this game, so whenever somebody asks me, hey, Sandy, you're a gamer, what's your favorite game? I'm going to go towards Zelda, just because, hey, there's so many games in the Zelda uh, timeline that I absolutely love and play and have cried to, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, we talked about this last episode where I will Google YouTube videos about theories, about timelines, and about what's coming up, and I will literally just watch it all day and just hold the pillow close to my freaking face and just say, oh, my God. And the music just absolutely kills me. But before I get into another Zelda tangent there. Uh, <laughs> easy, <laughs> easy to do. Easy to do. So easy to do. Maniac Mansion is actually one of my first video game loves. And it is one that I play every every few months just to kind of keep me grounded and kind of keep me into this place where, okay, like, where do you come from almost? It's Maniac Mansion. 
Uh, one day I hope to get a tattoo of uh, the cover, which is um, the, one of the five characters that goes in to save uh, Sandy, which is the, the female uh, person in distress in this giant mansion that's mm. taken over by alien goo. Oh, no, well, okay, now we, her name is now Sandy. We, yeah, now, we, now we know why you love this game, because there's a character named Sandy in it. <laughs> All right. No, that's, I promise that's not the reason why. <laughs> it just so happens to work out that way. Sure, sure. <laughs> but one day, honestly, I got to show you a picture once I get this done, because this is freaking happening. I'm going to get a tattoo of that freaking cover on my thigh. Can't yeah. wait for you guys to see it. I'll post a picture on Twitter. But this game, man, classic point-and-click adventure game. So what is a point-and-click adventure game? Exactly what it sounds like. You have a plot, you have a setting, you have your characters, you have your kind of story, but the story plays out differently than what you know about current video games. Where current video games, you know, they kind of, you have a character and they tell you the story, they tell you what's going on, they tell you what your mission is, they tell you where you need to go, what you need to do to kind of advance and progress in the story. Old school point and click adventure games like Mania Mansion, Nope, they play the music. <laughs> oh, I freaking love that song. But they just kind of start you out. You pick your characters. They tell you a brief um, kind of bio on your characters that you have available to choose. You pick three, if I'm not mistaken. And they kind of tell you, hey, this guy is a photographer. This guy is a nerd. This guy <laughs> surfs. And this guy knows about music. And this girl, Razor, she's my homegirl. She's just a badass who plays rock and roll and has this freaking big fro and leather freaking dress. Yeah, she's got the uh, the spike collar on. Love her. She was my favorite. I was like, I want to grow up to be just like her. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, you pick your characters. You have no idea what you're getting into. So you pick them and then you're dropped into the setting. Like, all right, what the hell do you do? Right? There's no explanation. It's just like they just tell you, hey. Sandy's been abducted. We got to go save her. All right, let's go. Freaking what? Right. <laughs> so all you see on your TV screen, I remember this vividly when I was little. It was just in English and it said, pick up or open or close or do like simple commands that you do on day to day as a human, you know, sure. what we do day to day. And it tells you, and okay, you pretty much have to go on your controller or I play it now on my computer and it's a, my little mouse thing. And I have to point at what the action I want my character to do and it'll do it. Point and click adventure game. Sure. That's where that comes from. To me, I have to go back <laughs> and talk about my great aunt that passed away. She freaking solved this game. And I want all of you guys to, and my listeners, if you have time, if you have space on your computer, Josh, if you've never played Manic Mansion, I dare you to download this and play it yourself and try to figure sure. it out without any help from the internet. It is tough, dude. It I might be sending you some text messages, but, you know, Sandy, help me out here. What do I do here? I uh, know I have not played this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll get into this a little bit later. I'm not as well versed in the point and click uh, stuff as you are. Um, but you know, I, I've not played this one and I definitely hearing you talk about it and I, and you've referenced it a couple of times, I think on this podcast, um, you know, maniac mansion is definitely yeah. on my to-do list. Absolutely. dude. And there is, so there's kind of some, um, what was I going to say? Kind of like some issues with that title. So they were officially released by Lucas Arts. 
film back in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to tell our listeners that we are not a, a reporter type of podcast. We are not a fact-based type of podcast. We're not going to sit here and just tell you facts, 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 because that's not what we are. We're not reporters. We're kind of, from your point of view, from your eye, kind of like a consumer, we want to tell you how we feel when we play these games, how we feel when we watch these wrestling matches. And we want you to check it out because if we love it, and we want you to love it too. Um, right, so that's exactly. Where, exactly. That's exactly where we kind of stand. So we're if, if we say something that may not be 100% true or accurate, please let us know. Or hey, just kind of maybe skip, <laughs> not skip over it, but just, eh, just kind of keep it in the back of your mind. Um, right. And everyone, you know, please, please feel free to say like, hey, you guys messed this up or hey, uh, you know, it was 1988, not 1987, whatever the case may be. I don't exactly. think that's what it is. Um, but yeah, feel free to tweet us at Apex uh, Tuplex and, and let us know or shoot us a DM on there. Uh, you know, everyone but Caleb, of course. <laughs> I got to find out. But anyway, <laughs> the Manic Mansion was on, uh, was published by Lucasfilm Games uh, by one of so he became my favorite game developer because of Manic Mansion. His name is Ron Gilbert and Gary uh, Winnick. I'm more familiar with Ron Gilbert's stuff. So exactly what I was telling you, to kind of go and say, hey, okay, you have these three characters. You go into this crazy mansion that's been taken over by an alien, and you have to save your friend because her brains are about to be sucked up by this freaking alien who's possessed his house and its occupants. Um Pretty, pretty straightforward, I think, as far as the story plot. Sure. But when it comes to the gameplay, oh my god, it's tense. I honestly have this memory of my aunt playing it on the computer in Colombia. We don't know English at all, but she's figured out what every command means. And I remember, middle of the day, I'm holding on to this pillow, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm scared. Um, <laughs> because you just don't know what's going to happen. Spoilers. There is this part in the beginning where once you make it into the mansion and you go into the kitchen, if you walk a little too fast through the game and you make it through this like this scene where you reach the refrigerator of the kitchen, one of the house, one of the owners of the house, the, the wife of the house, uh, Edna, I believe her name is, could be grabbing a snack in the refrigerator. So yeah, that's a spoiler. So mm, sorry. <laughs> Right, yeah. she's there, she will take your character and send you to a freaking prison that they have in their mansion. And every time that would happen, <laughs> so my, my aunt had to play it a few times, but every time that would happen, it scared the freaking bejesus out of me. Because <laughs> the music comes on, it's like, Duh. it's super intense. Like, it's freaking, honestly, I can have nightmares right now just thinking about it. But Well, we don't want to have nightmares. But, no, definitely not. But and I'll just say this too. I don't think I don't think we need to worry about spoiling a, a 35 year old game. Uh, if you're if you're the type of person that gets mad about 35 year old spoilers, uh, I mean I don't know. Find something better to do with your time. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. So don't don't tweet us some mad tweets. You you'll know in advance. But just take your time when you're going through the kitchen because Edna might be there. Um, but no, that's, a, that's such a vivid memory that I have just from playing that game because I know every time she'll put your ass in jail and then now you're stuck to having only two characters uh, to start off. But it is such a fun game. And to me, those type of point and click adventure games have such a, uh, a special place in my heart just because my aunt, not knowing English, not knowing what any of these commands meant, 
she was able to beat this game and there's multiple endings which is what's so crazy about these games too because every sure. action that you take may not be the exact same action that they expect you to take so there's multiple outcomes there's multiple ways to get to that final destination that final point in the game yeah so they're no kind of like you choose your own storybook yeah exactly and to me that's so interesting which you know you think that i'd be super into comic books because of that but i'm actually not i have a, a small collection but i'm actually i don't know how i came up about it but i'm not a i'm not a comic book nerd at all but i just love point and click adventure games because of that it's not a straight yeah. shoot it's not like hey this is the path that you need to take to move forward on the video game it's sure. like hey here is this this game, do what you need to do, figure it out. It's kind of like a puzzle, and I'm a freaking sucker for puzzles, so maybe that's why I love it so much. Yeah, no, um, and, and that game definitely, you know, I think that's probably the oldest example of that being on the console um, before before beginning starting putting graphics to it, right? Because anytime there was an NES anything, you needed to, they, it was showing off the graphics, right? Oh, look at these 8-bit graphics, or, you know, then you have it on, you know, computer games are starting to get better and better. And the ones that are selling are the ones that you can see things. Um, but the the example before this, there's a lot of those, those text-based adventure games um, that you would have to, you know, type out, move forward, enter, look left, enter, right? And then this is the, the continued, evol- you know, the evolution of the, the point-and-click game. Um, and I think we want to uh, highlight, too, some of the games that kind of came from that mindset of okay this is how we're going to tell our stories um the big one that everyone is pretty familiar with is the secret of monkey island which was also made by lucasfilm games it came out in 1990 uh your boy ron gilbert uh, was a part of that one as well um yeah and then you know that's the one like i always knew i i personally never played it um i was very much interested in platforming games as a kid so i skipped over a lot of the um you know kind of that kind of thing and especially too because a lot of them were on pc um and we did not have a computer that was really capable of playing anything that wasn't like on a floppy disk like that was very basic um Mm -hmm. just because that's just my family didn't prioritize the computer that much we played a lot of console games and so you know apologies to our listeners that are members of the pc master race uh i am not (laughs) and but you know i did play at my uncle's house and we were ta- we were chatting about this topic uh, before the game, and I was just kind of doing some research on some different games. Um, and there's a series called King's Quest, and I only played one of them, and it wound up being King's Quest Six, um, which I don't know about you, Sandy. Uh, I don't think the sixth of anything is the place to start. Um, <laughs> but you know, I remember thinking like, okay, I gotta go this way, I gotta go that way, and then you know, oh shit, there's a monster there that just killed me, right? Like. I, and I don't know, I didn't know, I didn't understand. I was like probably four years old playing around on my uncle's computer. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, there was, it was open to interpretation what you were doing and you had to figure it out. And even though four-year-old Josh got frustrated by that, he still kept trying. Um, whereas, you know, the other stuff I was playing, like Super Mario Brothers, you move right and you jump, right? You move right and you jump. That's what we saw that was really, you know, the big, sign of the times the early 90s and in the late 80s were really dominated by those games but you know lucasfilm games really carved out this niche where we every year they're releasing these games um and you know sierra is the uh, interactive is the one that uh, released um the king's quest games so you have these companies that are still pushing these hey don't don't go 
you know, it's we see that a lot of times with a lot of different forms of media. Hey, don't go for that flashy thing over there. Come for the real experience, the real, you know, we're the cool guys over here doing this thing, right? Um, and, you know, eventually that leads to a, a game developer, um, much like Lucasfilms, that really focused only on doing these point-click adventure games. And these were people that left Lucasfilm games and started this company in uh, 2004, and that's Telltale Games. Um, and this is a you know a, a developer that really, really, really pushed the envelope with these games um, and really changed, I think, not only the genre that they were doing, but other genres as well were impacted by that. Correct. So that is, thank you so much for that, Josh, because that's a great kind of uh, segment and the kind of like leeway into um, the game that I've been playing this week, actually, Telltale Games, The Walking Dead series. So if you, as our listener, haven't checked out this game, even if you're not too familiar with the point and click adventure game, definitely check it out. If, yeah. if you love The Walking Dead, if you love video games, this is one of those things where, okay, it could be a new experience. You may or may not like it, but I can almost guarantee that you absolutely will like it. Telltale Games, The Walking Dead was such a throwback to me to growing up and playing those point and click adventure games like yeah. The Day of the Tentacle, like Maniac Mansion, The Secret of Monkey Island. This kind of brought back all of those aspects of that game where you kind of select you have to be careful about selecting your your choices within the game that can, that can kind of lead you to different pathways within the story. We kind of just got so used to over the years, platformer games or uh, shooter games or anything kind of like that, where it was a single story and no matter what you chose is going to lead you through one direct path. Well, that's the kind of thing about adventure games where it's, there's not just one path to lead. There's many different ones that get you to different outcomes. And that is right. honestly my favorite part about adventure games, whether it's point and click adventure games or just straight up adventure games. That is one of the things that I love the best. Like you don't know where exactly your choices are going to lead you to, but at least you have the choices to make to give you the option to decide where you're going to go to. And that to me is my absolute favorite thing. So we do want to talk about the Telltale Games, uh, the Walking Dead game. It's a five episode video game series about exactly what it says, the Walking Dead. So this actually came out, what did we say, Josh? Like two, 2011, 2012? Uh, I think it was 2012. Around. And I'll point out too 20- that fans of the TV series uh, we'll find it a little strange because the, the game is actually based on the graphic novel, not on the TV series. Correct. But even so, so I I was actually one of those fans that kind of uh, followed along with the comic books. I actually, one of my favorite comic books that I have is the one where um, Negan just beats the crap out of freaking Glenn and his eyeball falls out yeah. of his face and that is my favorite comic book. I got rid of the other ones, but that is the one that I kept. And I was like, I want this graphic for whatever sick reason that is. Don't judge me, you guys. <laughs> no, no. Judgment-free zone. Judgment-free zone on the 8-bit suplex. <laughs> okay, good. So, yeah. No, The Walking Dead, to me, it was interesting. So, yes, I was a fan of the comic. And I was also a huge fan of the TV show. 
um, what was special to me is that this kind of brought the two together because, okay, when you're reading a comic book, it's not coming to life. You kind of have to use your imagination to bring a lot of that to life. When you watch the TV show, it's doing all that work for you. So this is a kind of a good in-between where I can read it, I can kind of interact with it, and I can also use my imagination to move forward and kind of connect it between the comic book and the TV show. And I feel sure. like that's where they did a great job about it because they let us know from the very beginning, okay, we're following these specific characters through the same apocalyptic zombie situation that sure. was going on in Georgia. So it's like, okay, we know the comic books follow these exact characters. We know the TV show follows those same characters, but it's kind of like an alternate universe type of thing where the plot may not go exactly as the comic books did. Mm-hmm. But the the Telltale Games, The Walking Dead, did something different where they said, hey, it's the same universe, it's the same place, it's the same apocalyptic zombie freaking get down, but it's these different characters. So it, they're all within the same universe, but we're just following along with some different characters and we're kind of wanting to see their journey through this apocalyptic zombie event. Sure. Uh, which I thought was freaking fantastic, especially because from the very beginning, we have Glenn in the video game. So it kind of ties them both together. We have Glenn, who we know from the TV show for many, many episodes and many uh, seasons. We see him in the Walking Dead video game. And it's like, oh, this is how I tie the video game and the TV show together. Right. Of course, I think it's, I forget if it's either um, episode one or two it's been a while since i've played it but we get to see him say hey i'm going to take off and i'm actually going to venture off and go to atlanta on my own and that's you know and the in the tv show that's when we see glenn we see him bunkered up somewhere in atlanta georgia when he right. meets rick and helps him right, rick, a, rick a and helps him. situation yeah i watched a little bit of the show and, and i and i didn't read any of the graphic novel um but i i I used to travel a lot for work, so I just kind of throw on Netflix and whatever's on there. So I watched The Walking Dead because you know you only you know there's only so many shows to watch. But um, from what it seems like, you know that is a series, uh, both a comic book and a, a TV show that would lend itself well to that point and click style where you can there's enough action to kind of keep the thing going, right? Um, the one Telltale game that I'm most familiar with is the Back to the Future one. And, you know, I love the Back to the Future movies. I love everything about them. Uh, even number three, uh, which is, you know, sometimes people think that it's a bad one. I say there's no bad ones. Um, but, you know, that's perhaps a, a topic for the uh, the uh, movie plex, suplex podcast uh, that we don't do. Hey. Um, that's, a, <laughs> I don't know. Spoil, uh, maybe uh, we'll put that behind the paywall. There's not a paywall. <laughs> But if we ever have one, we'll talk about movies. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, Back to the Future. How do you make a Back to the Future video game? You got to add a lot of stuff to it. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't enjoy it as much as maybe I thought I would, just because I was like, oh yeah, Back to the Future game, hell yeah. Um, they add a lot of stuff to, you know, walking around town to different shops and oh, you gotta, you know, ride on this truck and you gotta do this and I think it kind of. Some of these licenses, because they started going real license heavy versus um, some of the original titles, right? Like The Wolf Among Us is a really big title of theirs. That was like, a, you know, their original oh, thing. Boy. And 
but then they kind of they fell into the trap of oh we can do this with all these different movies um you know back to the future people kind of bought that one they're like okay cool you know jurassic park oh yeah i like dinosaurs right um you know it even got to the point where they were doing telltale games of video game series with stuff like tales from the borderlands right so it kind of i i would have liked to have seen more of an emphasis from them on original content versus just buying up licenses because buying up licenses can get expensive it can get you in financial trouble it can get your finances uh to kind of pull out um and unfortunately that's well, eventually, you know what John? you know yeah, kind of exactly that's what happens what to you were about yeah. To yeah yeah but you so, know what they had such great success with the back to the future games which i did not play unfortunately uh, you were able to play that one. Did you like it? What did you think of it? Because I think I feel like that one was the one before The Walking Dead, and that one was the one that kind of set the tone of, hey, yeah. you can be successful doing these licenses and doing these point-and-click adventure games with those. Yeah, things. like I said, I mean, as as a game, it was fine. As a Back to the Future mm-hmm. game, it wasn't. I mean, it didn't feel like Back to the Future as much to me, other than you know the fantastic mm-hmm. music and you know the characters mm-hmm. of the same names. Um, it was a fine game. It was a fine point-and-click adventure game, um, but for a Back to the Future uh, licensed product, I didn't think that it hit the way it should have. Um, but like you said, I mean, they got it right with The Walking Dead. They tried to do it with the Game of Thrones series. That was kind of met with some mixed kind of reviews. Um, they, you know, they and tried I to do some different. Played that one. Mm-hmm. I played that Walking, uh, not Walking Dead, the Game of Thrones one, and. Yeah. You know, it was, to me, being able to incorporate a game to a TV show that I absolutely love and watch nonstop was pretty exciting, especially, like, when you do it right, it works right. so well. And they freaking hit the nail on the head when it came to The Walking Dead, being that, hey, it's the same universe. Kind of like, hold on, kind of like uh, the fear of The walk, fear of the Walking Dead, which was right, the, the same show, universe, yeah. same town. But just different characters. You want to see, okay, we in the TV show that we watch, we follow along these same characters. What's going on with the rest of the world? And mm-hmm. it works so well in that specific instance. But I can see why maybe it wouldn't work so well with Back to the Future. Because Back to the Future, those movies are set specifically, the storyline and the plot and everything that's going on, specific to those two characters that we know. So yeah, adding I mean, any extra well, stuff in there just kind of right. feels like unnecessary almost to the point, right? Exactly. And, and you know, why do I need to have Marty McFly interact with other people in town? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. It's, I mean, Back to the Future is about Doc Brown, is about Marty McFly, and it's about Biff. Every other character doesn't even really matter, and, and they kind of proved that in the second movie when they when you know they had Marty McFly's love interest basically passed out for the entire movie, right? And they switched actresses around, and, and there's you know there's all kinds of different things, um, but you know not to get too bogged down by that, but you know it is a situation where uh, you know Telltale they they took a swing at it, people liked it, and they kept doing it and doing it and doing it, and then you know in 2018 you know unfortunately they closed the doors, um, and I don't think though that, that that means that we're closing the doors on uh, the quick uh, endpoint uh, type of game. Uh, I think that it the choosing your own way to play the game has branched out to other games. Uh, I think Mass Effect is a great example of that. Um, I think The Witcher is a great example of that. 
um, where you see Fable. Fable, you you know, the choices you're making directly impact not only how characters interact with you, but also how the game ends. Um, and you know, that's something that, you know, in the, the big JRPG revolution of the nineties, you might have some variation how you can swap in your characters, swap out your characters, level up here, grind here. Um, but ultimately when you're playing a Final Fantasy game, you're gonna start here and then you're gonna go to there, right? And the ending is gonna be the same no matter what you do. So the impact of the Telltale games and of the uh, click point um, or point and click, I should say, um, adventure games, I think they've definitely uh, revolutionized how we play games, especially in modern days. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, another company steps in here and, and fills the shoes of what Telltale's left behind. And hopefully they learn the lesson of, hey, uh, don't get these expensive licenses. Um, yeah. because, and that's even something like a company like Lego has had trouble with in the past, not necessarily with their video games, um, but with just their sets, if they license a star Wars set, they better sell a ton of them because getting star Wars totally slapped expensive. on anything, incredibly oh, expensive. Wow. And then, you know, telltale, one of the last games they did was guardians of the galaxy right after we have this massive, uh, influx of popularity for that series because of the movies. I, I think they just, they just eventually just bit off more than they could chew from a licensing perspective. Um, but, you know, uh, really solid games. There's other ones. I play, I dabbled a little bit with Batman. Um, but, you know, it, it's something that if we don't get a traditional point-click game again, I'll be sad about it because I want to play more of them. I just never got around to it. Now I'm like, well, I guess I got to go in the back catalog and, and kind of, you know, start with Maniac Mansion and work my way up. Um, yes. But, you know, it's... <laughs> You know, it's a, a game series that was necessary or a game type that was necessary. It was a genre that was huge. It let your imagination run wild, which was so important in those early days of video games and home consoles. Um, and obviously for you, it, it's an emotional appeal, too, because of your great aunt. Uh, that I, I love the stories of your great aunt playing video games. I have these pictures of, of you guys sitting in Columbia playing games. Um, and <laughs> I have a picture of her holding okay. an SNES controller, like in her what? little old lady outfit. I have to post well, it on Twitter yeah. for you guys to see. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to post that from from the Apex Suplex account. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, just to you know, kind of put a button on it. I think you know, go play those games. Go play all the old ones. Go play all the more recent ones. Uh, if you can find, oh, God, you know. Actually, I'm so sorry to cut you off. But no, you please know, do. So while I was doing research for our podcast, I actually found out. So I big reason why I opened up Twitter in the beginning was to kind of keep up with my video game stuff. And, oh, my God, sure. I opened up my Twitter account like 11 years ago, 10 to 11 years ago, which is wow. freaking insane. I was so little. I was 20 or 21. I still Anyways. haven't figured out how to use Twitter <laughs> properly. So, I, you know, yeah, I, I don't that's know. so funny. I'm like a, I'm a, a I'm a uh, social media boomer, I guess in a way. I, you know, Facebook is like I know Facebook, I understand Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> I, I don't know, I'm kind of figuring that out. Uh, Twitter, I think I'm getting a grip on it. I'm so far I haven't <laughs> tweeted from my personal account when meaning to tweet from the Apex Suplex account. So I think that's a win. Um, but you know, so you have an old Twitter account and you're cultivating it for video game news. So what did you find doing the research here? No, so 
I remember when I was really into Telltale games, I was like, oh man, this is my freaking company to to the get-go because the Walking Dead series was so great. And I remember I bought each episode individually on the Xbox Live Marketplace, and then I bought sure. them on the actual uh, Xbox 360. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, the, the actual cases, yeah. Yeah, and then um, I just remember we were getting close to, they were doing season two. The first season was freaking amazing. I was like, give me more. And I was so attached to the Clementine character, which is the little girl that you follow along through in the storyline. And um, so when they announced season two, I was freaking hyped. But that's when they started having the financial issues where, you know, they started signing all these different uh, licenses for the uh, Game of Thrones, Batman, this and that, you know. They were kind of losing focus on what made them special, which is those stories, those special um the special adventures that they were kind of able to put together with those licenses they were kind of just like okay we have spent all these money all this money on these licenses let's go ahead and just we need to produce games like this right they were pushing out games just to push out games which we've seen before with different companies kind of like ea games ea sports don't get me started in the kwe games you know these companies kind of they get into this point where, oh my God, we just need to produce rather than produce quality content. It's like, just produce whatever so we can make our money back. Right. Get it out what there. Happens- and then if we have to update it, send a patch later, we do it, right? Exactly. So I remember I was on Twitter and I was like waiting for my freaking season two. And it was like the, the last couple of episodes, of them, if I'm remembering correctly, where they just they started losing the people that were making these games. So Mm. the very last episode was in jeopardy. So the conclusion of the walking dead game for telltale games was in jeopardy completely because they were kind of letting go of people. There was such a turnaround. The company was struggling. They were, they were on their way out, which as we know now is exactly what ended up happening before the game was finished. But there was such backlash from the Walking Dead fan base, and I was one of them. I was like, "No, I need my episode five. You better get your asses back in there and give me my episode." <laughs> <laughs> so they actually did that. They were like, they got such heavy backlash that they got their main people that kind of, I guess, worked on the episodes prior, and they were like, "Okay, we're going to give you a resolution to the series," and that's exactly yeah. what they did. And they delivered. But shortly after that, of course, they filed for bankruptcy. So many people were let go. But what I actually found out in my research when I was kind of preparing for this podcast to kind of refresh my memory, they were bought out. Right. Yeah, they were. So they were actually, yeah, they, as soon as they went under, they got acquired. Uh, Now they're, they, they, before they were going under Telltale Incorporated, doing business as Telltale Games. But they have been since acquired as Telltale Games from 2018 when they went under to the present. I personally haven't seen much of them being like announced like, hey, we're making a comeback uh, because their previous website is still up uh, with the old news from their old series, their old company. So maybe they just bought the rights to the games that they have previously released. Who really knows? I really hope that they're able to kind of get a team in there and say, hey, let's just pick up back to where we started, back to where we made magic happen with the Walking Dead um, Telltale Game series. Because I'm telling you, if you haven't played that game before, you absolutely need to. It is 
you're playing a video game. Yes, and that aspect is amazing, but you're also following along the storyline that feels like this epic movie that you're just being a part of and you're making these decisions of. And I, I cried, I gasped, I laughed, I every single emotion that you can think of in the in the human body I experienced while playing the Walking Dead uh, game by Telltale Games, and they will go down in in history, in infamy, whatever you want to call it, uh, they will go down as that's one of the, the greatest games, and they, they did really great by that. Awesome. Well, I think that kind of, like you said, yeah, right, no crying. Uh, wait uh, five minutes because we're at the end of our podcast. Um, you know, we hope you enjoyed the discussion on, on uh, the point click, uh, click point uh, adventure games. I'm going to just keep on flipping those back and forth. I think it's fine. Um, and uh, in Telltale Games, uh, if you have a suggestion or a topic or a genre or a video game that you want us to talk about, uh, definitely reach out to us on Twitter. Reach out to us to the email address, social suplex at G, or excuse me, 8 suplex at gmail.com. Um, and we'll definitely we'll, we'll talk about what you guys want to hear about because, you know, we like uh, talking about what we enjoy and we like enjoying it with you. Um, so with yeah. that, Sandy, I know you talked about you've been playing that Walking Dead series this week. Uh, did you play anything else this week? So I didn't play this week, but this is my honorable mention for video games. It is called Thimbleweed Park. I know that's kind of crazy, especially with my accent. T H I M B L E W E E D Park. It is available for download on Steam. Let me see if my Steam pops up. I'm not sure how much it costs. So this game actually is created by Ron Gilbert, which he was actually one of the developers for Maniac Mansion. So over the years, of course, he kind of moved around from Lucasfilm's art. He then teamed up with Tim Schafer on Double Fine Productions, um, which Tim Schafer was actually one of the producers on Maniac Mansion as well back in the 80s. So once they kind of pulled away from Lucasfilm, they went on and did their own thing. Uh, Tim Shipper actually opened up Double Fine, and then he kind of recruited Ron Gilbert, and they made this game called The Cave, which I absolutely loved. I bought as well. It was so beautiful. It's exactly a point-and-click adventure game, but very different style, very uh, new futuristic style, which I absolutely loved. It had a great storyline. But Thimbleweed Park, this is Ron Gilbert. He stepped away from Double Fine and created this game with Gary Winnick, which he created some previous point-and-click adventure games with at LucasArts. So they had been working for many, many decades together, and they created this beautiful masterpiece called Thimbleweed Park, available on uh, Steam for download. They actually created this by uh, reaching a target on the crowd surfing site called Kickstarter, which I'm sure many of you gamers uh, who listen to our podcast are familiar with. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, It was released, yeah, it was released in 2017 uh, for Windows, Mac, Xbox One. Man, if you just look it up, Simple Weed Park, you can find it. It is absolutely adorable. I freaking love this game. It took me back to the old days of Maniac Mansion. Same kind of style, point and click adventure games. You have your your bottom list of commands, but very futuristic in the sense of you know the the art style, uh, the gaming style in itself. The storyline was so cute. I don't want to give you any spoilers because I right yeah we'll spoil we'll spoil the thirty we'll spoil the thirty five year old games, but the the three year old games we won't spoil. And I will interject exactly. real quick. Um, I did find it on Steam. It is currently on sale. 
um, for $15.99, normally $19.99, so 20% off right now on Steam until September 1st. Uh, this podcast will come out um, on Saturday, August 29th, uh, so you got a couple of days to catch that sale if you want to uh, take uh, Sandy up on her recommendation there. There you go. Freaking take me up on it. You know what? As a matter of fact, I demand that you take me up on it. <laughs> go buy it now. Go support this amazing indie gamer developer, Ron Gilbert. He's been in the business for years. He will not disappoint you. Thimbleweed Park was as fun as it was clever as it was intuitive as it was creative. You will not be disappointed. Josh, if I don't hear your uh, take on this game next week, I, we will be upset. I will be upset. We will fight. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, or, you know, I'm kind of hoping that you don't listen to this episode back and we both just kind of forget what this conversation went and, uh, cause it's late and I, I, you know, I know you will. I know women always remember. And, and I don't mean that. In a dis- I don't mean that in a disparaging way for our, all of our uh, female listeners, especially my wife who is listening <laughs> to this podcast. Um, I played more ghost of Tsushima. I talked about it a lot last week. I'm not going to talk more about it. I would just say that it does get uh, even better than what I was talking about. Although the it does, I said a little buggy last week. I'll say it's more of a moderately buggy. It's not like a Fallout, uh, New Vegas, or whatever uh, level of buggy niche. Uh, but there is some bugs that that they probably should have done a little bit more uh, testing on. But games released during COVID, if they're buggy, I mean they're, I mean this is kind of where it is. Uh, but I also, you know, I I did pick up. Um, I pre-ordered the digital copy of the remake of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Um, and so I got to play around with the uh, with the demo uh, quite a bit. Of course, you only get to play as Tony Hawk in the demo. Uh, and you only get to play the warehouse level. Um, but really, it just it brings you right back to, um, I think, was it like 1998 was when the original Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out uh, on PlayStation and on um the Nintendo 64, I think it released a year later. PlayStation got off oh, yeah. the ball with that quicker. Um, but it brings you right back. And, of course, uh, Superman by Goldfinger kicks in when you turn the game on. So, you know, brings you right back to that that third wave of Ska, that, you know, that awesome time of childhood that skateboarding ruled. Tony Hawk was the coolest guy in the world. Um, and it's a really smooth, clean game. They kept all the uh, features of you know, the, some of the later games, but they took out some of the stuff that was just too experimental. Like, you know, I don't know how many of those games you play, but like Tony Hawk's pro uh, underground, uh, Tony Hawk underground, you had to, you know, take off your skate. You got off your skateboard and you carried it around and you climbed up on roofs and stuff like that. So don't have to do that. Uh, in this one, it's more of a straightforward Tony Hawk game. I'm really excited for it. It comes out on the fourth. Um, and actually, you know, the PlayStation, when you do a digital pre-order, it gives you that countdown on the screen. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that one. But but that's what I played this week. Hell yeah. Of Tsushima. And, you know, I mixed in because it's hockey season. I mixed in playing some NHL 20 as well. Um, Josh. But, you know. I have a question for you. Sure. What was the soundtrack like when you played that Tony, Tony Hawk uh, Underground demo? Oh, so, so for the Tony Hawk's uh, Pro Skater 1 and 2 demo, they had the Superman song, um, and then I, I don't remember. There's only two other songs on the demo. So, okay, you know, the demo is fun for a little bit, but, you know, uh, as someone who's a, an avid Scott Punk fan, um, I've listened to the song Superman by Goldfinger um, possibly more than any other song ever. 
Um, and so when I'm playing the demo and that's one of three songs that's coming on, um, and I know that the soundtrack for the game is actually uh, like, you know, 60, 70 songs deep or whatever it is, um, that won't be a problem when the full game comes out. Uh, but the demo does kind of mm-hmm. get kind of worse then when you're just playing the warehouse, just with Tony Hawk. And one of one, you know, every you know, once once every ten minutes you're listening to Superman. Um, it can kind of wear on you a little bit. Um, and actually, I, I will say this: I was listening to another podcast um, that the lead singer of Lustin Jake puts on. Um, it's called Krista Makes a Podcast. Um, but he had John Feldman, who's the lead singer of Goldfinger, on, and he actually talked about how um, when Goldfinger got signed, he signed a contract that basically gave the label like lifetime rights to the songs that they recorded. And Superman is one of them. Um, and so actually when Tony Hawk uh, wanted to use the song again for this remake, there was a lot of like legal loopholes that they had to work around because this one specific producer from the old label back in like 1995 still had the rights to it. And so they had to work around that. So that's, you know, kind of a fun little thing. Uh, definitely check out if you're a Scott Punk fan like I am. Uh, Krista makes a podcast. It's, uh, you know, Krista makes from uh, Lust and Jake. Really cool songwriting podcast. Did you ever listen definitely to uh, Real Big Fish? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I we we could talk uh the the Scott podcast that we do, uh, you know, uh uh you know, French horn suplex. Uh we'll we'll talk about that another time. Um but yeah, Wait, I, I definitely no no no. Well we don't need to do a Scott Punk podcast. We'll just stick to the wrestling Are and video you games. I mean Josh No, never, 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 never. <laughs> uh I don't have time for more than one podcast, Sandy. Uh so uh but no, yeah, no Scott Punk uh, definitely uh I still listen to it. It's still my all-time favorite genre. Um, I will mm. still, you know, I'll still skank every time uh, Sellout comes on. Um, it might, you know, so it is what it is. Um, but definitely check out Tony Hawk's Pro Skater uh, One and Two. Um, Sandy, uh, I know you got uh, you got some wrestling to plug here. I freaking do, you guys. So listen. So every time when we close out our Eight Bit Suplex podcast, we want to give you. Not only a video game that you can check out, like we did with Thumbleweed Park. If you don't la- download it and play it, I would be very upset. And you don't want to hear me upset, you guys, right? And, so, and we also want to plug a indie wrestling match that you guys should check out. Mine for the week will be the Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling Episode 18. It's called Edge of Destruction Part 2, and it's available on fight.tv.com. Or if you decide to watch it on your mobile device, it's available on the App Store, fight.tv, on the Fight TV app. Um, You can definitely watch it there. It's very exciting. So I was actually, this is a a shameless self-plug or whatever they call it. I'm not too sure with this yet. But I was on episode 17. It was my second match. I wrestled Brandy Lauren, which you may know her from Evolve and from WBNXT. And she's kind of done some uh, extra work on the WWE uh, network. And mm-hmm. yeah, she's been one of a, uh, oh God, what's his name? Freaking. She's with, uh, uh, she's, she was a part of the uh, celebration with Damian Priest uh, after uh, Damian TakeOver, Priest. after he won the uh, North American title at TakeOver. Correct. God, I always forget his freaking name. I don't know what it is with that, but yeah, she's been I kind involved of, I just, I just call him Vin Diesel with hair. I mean, he kind of reminds me of Vin Diesel. <laughs> that's exactly what he reminds me of, too, but I'm like, that's not helpful. <laughs> no, it's yeah, really so not. My match with Brandy Lauren, my very, my second match ever in front of an audience is available on Fight TV as well. 
that is episode 17, but I'm here to plug episode 18. We have this huge call in match uh, with our uh, roster. You get to see Dax, you get to see Logan Cruz, you get to see a lot of our talent on the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling roster kind of show off their skills and their talents on this episode. So definitely check it out, fight.tv or on the Fight TV app. That is Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling Edge of Destruction Part 2 or Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling Episode 18. If you want to check out my couple of matches, only two of them, not too many yet, (laughs) you can look up Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling. I don't think my name is really up there on the search bar just yet, but hey, just so that you know, um, my name on there is Liana Dos Santos, which will soon be changed to Liana De Los Santos. Don't ask me why. I will hurt you if you ask me why. No, I'm just kidding. But Josh, go ahead. What is your match for the week? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's you know it it's really cool to watch. Uh, I get to go and and you know sit in a, a rec center and watch you guys do those shows. Um, and it's cool to see them on a, on an app like by TV. So definitely go check those out. Um, you know, uh, my match, uh, is going to be from, uh, we talked about punk pro wrestling previously, uh, but Hunter law versus yes. John Davis, um, definitely go out of your way to look for anything Hunter law related, anything, uh, yes. John Davis related. Um, and, and, you know, Hunter law is one of my uh, local favorites here. Um, Troy Hollywood is another one, um, and then obviously, uh, so is Snoop Strikes. Uh, they roll in a faction called OAO, which is uh, one of our favorites um, here at the Social Suplex Podcast Network. And uh, I will say this as a little plug to the other guys because I'm plugging Hunter's ma- uh, match, is that Troy Hollywood um, uh, came in at 448 on the PWI 500 this year. And um, and Snoop Strikes, uh, or as you know him in, in MLW as Coda Brazil, came in at 305, so... Uh, big ups to those guys for making it onto the list. Go check out any of their Hell matches, yeah. and then specifically Hunter Law versus John Davis Punk Pro Wrestling. You can find that on YouTube. Sandy, it's super late. We went probably a little bit longer than we thought we might, but you know what? That's okay. Everyone loves hearing us talk for hours and hours. Um, that's what they all tell <laughs> Hell me. Yeah. Um, so uh, I got nothing else. You got anything else? I have nothing else besides definitely check out freaking Hunter. Hunter, I want to give a special shout out to because I've actually trained under him a few times and sure. he's so patient and so freaking sweet and so smart when it comes to his business. He is an, a tremendous talent. Same with Coda Brazil, aka Snoop Strike. Same with Troy Hollywood. They yeah, are, absolutely. man, they give it their all in there. And I, in a few years from now, they're going to be huge top stars. So if you don't know about them now, get to know them now. So that you can see their work and you can follow their journey along to the big leagues because I can guarantee you they will make it to the big leagues. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And uh, with that, uh, I've been uh, Josh McLaughlin. She's been Sandy Gaviria. You can check us out on Twitter, 8-Bit Suplex. You can also follow our podcast network uh, at Social Suplex Podcast Network. I think it's just at Social Suplex. Um, definitely, definitely go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code SUPLEX to save 20%, get free shipping, and uh, throw us your proof of purchase at socialsuplex at gmail.com. You'll get your AEW all-out pay-per-view paid for. Um, with that, uh, I think we can say goodnight, Sandy. I want to plug my personal and soon-to-be uh, Liana De Los Santos Twitter. I need sure. more followers, guys. Help me. My at Twitter uh, right now is at 
Sailor Zelda. That's S A I L O R Z E L D A. Uh, for Twitter, please follow me on there. I have a pathetic like 400 and something followers. I need your help, especially if I'm trying to make it in this crazy world of pro wrestling. So help me out there. For and sure. definitely check us out at uh, 8 Bit Suplex for our podcast so that you guys can get the latest news and updates on our podcast. As you can tell right now, we are a day behind. Lots of crazy things happening this week, but we are here for you. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Like we said earlier, this is a podcast not to tell you the facts and things like that, but we want to talk to you as consumers as you guys would do as you guys would watch your wrestling, as you guys would play your video games. That's that's what we're here for. And if we like it, we want to make sure that you guys know about it so that you guys can play it and so you guys can watch it and enjoy it too. So that yep. is what we're here for. So we cannot wait to give you more. Let us know your suggestions. And thank you so much for listening to us and following us along. Absolutely. And uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully on time. <laughs> Bye, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.